Hello, and welcome to episode 119 of Flicks in a Six. I'm one of your hosts, Anthony Costanzo, with me forever and always. The man, the myth, the crossbow boy, Alessandro Balsi. Say hello, Al. Proclamation. Henceforth, all good wine will be referred to as unicorn juice. <laughs> On this week's episode, more Witcher news, Steven Spielberg's ridiculous net worth, Matrix 4 spottings, and other news and nuggets, all before diving into our flick of the week, Birds of Prey, and the fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn, or... Harley Quinn, Birds of Prey, depending on the day. <laughs> but before that, Al, what are we drinking? <laughs> yeah, I saw that too, but that it's they, I, I saw that they were said they were changing the title of this movie, which I don't understand how that's... It's not like it's going to change a single dollar that you've earned. Like, they've done enough promotion that mm-hmm. everyone knows this damn movie is out. Right. They're either going to see right. it or not. Um, mm-hmm. That's neither here nor there, though. We'll get, it, we'll get into that argument when we get to the movie. Anyway, we're drinking. Middle Ages... Swallow it. Um, swallow space wit. W I T. Not swallow it. Yes. Uh, though I imagine swallow that's intentional. Wit. Not swallow it. <laughs> I imagine that was intentional. Um, well, it's a uh, beer I've never heard of before, but I saw two of them sitting in the uh, make your own six pack rack, so oh. I made us two six packs. Right. <laughs> nice. Um, I know nothing of this brewery. I know nothing of this beer. This beer has nothing to say to me, which is which is, is upsetting. <laughs> there's no, there's zero information on it. Doesn't even tell me the alcohol content. Doesn't even tell me the IBU. Is this even beer? <laughs> uh, the thing is, it claims to be a wit, but when I opened it, it smelled like American lager, which is not encouraging. Yep, hundred percent what I smelled when I opened it as well. <laughs> uh, I was like, when I first off the cap, the uh, the beer cap didn't want to come off. So that was one thing. Uh, mine came off it was almost as if it was glued on. And then it was like, is that, is that Budweiser? Yep, that was the first kind of uh, experience with that I had as well. And then I poured it, and I got chunks. Well, the funny thing was, you told me, let's drink something that's good and that doesn't have <laughs> chunks. I still have chunks in my, the taste of chunks in my mouth from last week. Uh, I've never had this beer yep. before, so I didn't know if it was good or not. I just figured, huh, let's do it. Birds of prey, there's a bird on this. You nailed it. Let's do it. Um, and I poured it. I was like, oh, that looks fine. It smells like Budweiser, but it looks fine. And then I put it down, and then three minutes later, you said, I got goddamn chunky beers. I looked, and sure enough, all of a sudden, there was chunks floating in there. I don't know where they came from. In the, uh, in the documentary that's made on the show years later, <laughs> there's going to go back, and they're going to be like, the bird on the, on the bottle. Like, they're going to be like, wow, they, like, they even thought of it. Like, they, they went that deep. Which is really funny, because I, I, the reason I'm saying that is I know for a fact that there have been numerous times where we've picked a beer and afterwards realized how fitting it was. Yeah, no, this one I did on purpose. <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, I will say, I do like the label. There's a little bird drinking a beer, <laughs> or carrying a beer. Yeah, he's holding a pint of lager. Cute, which is great. Which is de- definitely not wit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, shall we see what this one's all sure. about? Cheers. It, it tastes like someone who was trying to guess what goes into a wit. <laughs> it, yeah, I, <laughs> the beer has a bit of an identity crisis. <laughs> like, I definitely taste some Belgian wit in there, but it's lost among some other things. Yeah. One of them is, I, and I still have never done a good job of figuring out what it is, but that thing that sometimes leaves that coppery aftertaste, that blood aftertaste... Like actual human blood. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It was common to a couple of. 
There's a couple to as a <laughs> what other blood did you think was on my mind? <laughs> no comment. Um you know, the, the it was common to a couple of those beers we did from uh, Crooked Hill. So I don't know what mm. that is that does it. It still mm-hmm. smells like Budweiser. I wonder if it's the type of like keg they put it in. I don't know. I mean, I wondered at first if the smell, if I was getting, if it was, I was wondering if it was because of the corn that they use in American lager. But you definitely shouldn't put corn in a wit. I, I mean, I guess you could do anything, but you're not supposed to. I'm getting a flashback. There's a movie. It might be Independence Day. I'm not certain. I'm going to need your help figuring out what this one is, and I hope you remember, because it's going to drive me crazy if we can't figure it okay. out. But the guy blowtorches. He tries to cut open a keg with a blowtorch. And then as soon as he's done, he touches it with his hand. He goes, she's cold as ice. Is that, what movie is that? Was that Independence Day? Was that Mars Attacks? Oh, so you're just picking random alien movies in the Midwest. Yeah. Or the Southwest from the 1990s. But uh, actually the first thing I thought was National Security. National Security. Steve Zahn and Martin Lawrence. (laughs) Oh, wait. Was it Blue Streak? <laughs> it might have been. <laughs> the Martin Lawrence train got me going. Did Martin Lawrence do uh, multiple movies? it was movies? National Security. Was it, did Martin Lawrence do multiple movies in which a major plot point was blowtorching a keg and finding out that it was secretly not stainless steel, but actually... Wow. Okay. So that that's what that movie was about? Then that's 100% what this line is Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure it was National Security. Um, wow. I'm glad you're here. I, I don't because that that, that would have killed me because I'm not even I don't even know where to start googling. That's not a very good movie, uh, but I've seen it too many times. I saw it a lot when I was young. I don't remember the movie at all. Uh, there's not much to remember. Why do I remember that scene? I think it's just the ridiculousness of. I think what I what I pulled out of that is he blowtorches metal and then immediately touches it with his bare hand. Well, because he was trying to confirm his suspicion. The whole point was they thought that they were investigating something like really serious involving the CIA but it actually mm-hmm. was an aerospace company with the same initials as CIA and it was okay. serious just not the type of serious they thought and it. it concerned some gang or mafia whatever stealing like really rare like expensive metal metallic alloys that are worth a ton mm-hmm. of money that this aerospace thing used they were a contractor that helped like build shuttles for NASA and so they were stealing... How, okay, I'm, I, I have zero recollection <laughs> of the plot of So they were movie. stealing the metal and turning it into beer kegs to avoid suspicion. This is the movie! Okay, that part I and remember. And the guy is blowtorching it, and then he immediately touches it because it was metal that's meant for re-entry into the atmosphere, which needs to be able to handle absurd temperatures. So it disperses it uh-huh. instantaneously. Oh my god. It's wow. a really bad movie. All, um, of all the movies I could have guessed that we'd be talking about tonight, <clears throat> that was not one of them. Well, the thing is, I actually saw like five minutes of that movie a couple of weeks ago, too, and I was like, man, I haven't seen this in at least ten years. <laughs> was it that scene? Tell me it was that scene. No, it, would be fun. no, it was like the very beginning of the movie, actually. <laughs> um, and so Steve Zahn is a cop whose partner gets killed in the very beginning, and it's by the guys who are doing this like crime spree. And mm-hmm. Martin Lawrence is in the police academy, and he gets thrown out for being wildly unfit to be a police officer and causing a lot of damage. And Steve Zahn arrests him because he thinks he's stealing a car. And Martin Lawrence thinks he thinks he's stealing the car because he's black. And they get into this whole big fight and, well, this whole argument. And there's people watching him across the street, this and that, someone took a video of it. And 
that looks like... So what happens is as he's talking to him and arguing with him, a bee comes and flies around above him, and Martin Lawrence is allergic to bees. Yes! Oh my god, out. I remember and this! And Steve Zahn <laughs> is trying to swat the bee with his baton and, like, stomp it, and it looks like he's beating the <laughs> shit out of Martin Lawrence. But Martin Lawrence gets stung by the bee, and he gets all swollen, so it looks like he was beaten. That's right. And then the two of them That's end up right. becoming okay. partners as security guards, and then doing this investigation. Got it. Okay, so now I vividly remember the beginning. I vividly remember the keg scene, and nothing else. <laughs> You don't, we'll, you don't really, we'll get there. By the end of the episode, we'll get the whole thing. You don't really right. remember anything. It's not a very good movie. Moving on. This beer, going back to the beer, is okay. Uh, it doesn't... I don't know what it is, It's though. thoroughly adequate. It's, well, uh, it's, I mean, it tastes, it tastes good, but not for what it says it is. Yeah, the, the problem is, you, know, you don't know what it is because it doesn't know what it is. Right, right. All right, Middle Ages. This is what they serve at medieval times. I mean, it would make sense Random. for them to create a partnership. This is from Random Syracuse, in a glass. Oh, that's not that far. Um, cool. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. What, what would you? Are you going to rate this beer? What, what's this going to get on untapped? Uh, I'm actually thinking about that now because I realized I forgot to log on the Flicks and the Six untapped last week's beer, which I don't even remember what it was now. Polycrip? Mm. Yeah. That's Devil's right. Purse? Devil's Randomous Purse. Randomest tattoo in the world? Yeah. Not, not as random when you know that it's like a thing that washes up on the beach where he grew up. Fair. Long walks on the beach. <clears throat> that's adorable. You know, I don't know. That's a, now. Now, now I'm just I'm embellishing the rest of the story. Now, now I'm imagining it's 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 Will and Damien sharing long walks on the beach, <laughs> collecting these devil's purses. Okay, I can see it. Purse eye. No, it's definitely purses. <laughs> Purse eye. All right. Shall, shall we get into some news and nuggets? Yeah, sure. All right. I came across this article in uh, on men's health. Steven Spiel, this is from uh, the front Men's Health uh, by Temi Adebowale. Men's Health has one of the worst websites ever. And I just mean like the user experience. Oh, yeah. This is in the Apple News app, oh, so it's much easier. So many to pop-ups, consume. like, like yeah. slows down. I don't do like, pop-ups. Not super stable. It's really annoying. So... Uh, the, the headline of this was Steven Spielberg is the highest grossing director in the world. And I was like, okay, I'm actually kind of curious to hear some of these numbers because like that sounds that I, I imagine it's they're ridiculous. Yes. So I think we're going to have, we're going to play a little prices right game here. We're going to have an early edition of games where you're going to give me a number and I'm going to tell you higher or lower. And you've got like three guesses to get like in a general ballpark. Okay. So, sound good. Steven Spielberg's net worth. What's your first guess? Six billion dollars. Lower. Five point nine. <laughs> um, Three billion dollars. Cl- higher. Three point five billion dollars. You win. Three point six billion dollars. It's, it's, it's intense. The article goes on. Uh, as a director, his movies have grossed a combined ten billion dollars worldwide, which is just bananas. <laughs> He's also made a lot of movies, and, though, and like, and that's half of them are that's really big box office ones. So. Yeah, that's that's true. And then uh, if you add in being a producer, that number goes to twenty five billion. That's I mean, this is just insane. Can you imagine just the raking in the cash. Jeez, it, I don't. I just I can't even fathom that amount of money. Well, I said like because I I've seen in the past there's been rampant speculation and it sounds like it's been way overshot. But people thought Larry David was a billionaire because Seinfeld is like the most ridiculous like syndication, or at least it was. 
one of the most ridiculously syndicated shows and the amount of money it raked in. And he is, I think, worth like over $500 million. And that's just one guy with one TV show. One TV show. Yeah. Like, the, no one is as prolific as him. Just one, the one thing. That, that's, that's insane. I, I don't, can't, again, can't, uh, the amount of money, it doesn't even, like, I just don't, I can't think of what that even means. Yeah. <laughs> it's insane. Uh, but anyway, yeah, his, I mean, he does make, the, the man makes a tremendous film. Yeah. Yeah. Couple, maybe, maybe a couple whatevs here and there, but. Well, when you've made, like, 40 feature films, like, a few of them are bound to be less than good. Sure. Sure. Yeah, usually, like. Somebody that's like making like an incredible. I guess that's like, that's maybe where, how that where the money makes sense, right? Because he there's there's directors that I feel have you know well Christopher Nolan let's take doesn't make a lot of movies. He's very opinionated about the movies that he makes. It seems it takes his time, does them the way that he wants to do them, does them right, and they're usually incredible. Uh, with one exception, I didn't super care for Insomnia. Uh, I never saw that the one. rest of. His movies I adore, um, but that's like that's a that's a lot fewer than than we're talking with Spielberg. And I guess if you just start, if you're able to, if you're able to do that, like you, like that's just his craft. He knows how to do it, right? He's been doing it forever. Yeah. You can churn more out, but he's you know he started off good, so like <laughs> that like you have that background. That's I mean that's just incredible. What a what a what a catalog. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's really for, for both quality and quantity, it's really hard to ask for more, and that's why he has uh, so much money. Yeah, good for you, Stephen. I'm uh, gonna go on to an, another interesting one that I came across. This one was a uh, this came up on BuzzFeed. Uh, it's not so much the article that I'm interested in as much as it is the concept. And the article title was "21 More Movie Scenes That Would Have Won the Academy Award for Best Movie Scene If It Was a Real Thing," and oh. that got me thinking. That should be. That should be a category. You know how much a argument singular, would be over that? A singular scene. You know how much argument would be over that topic, uh, though? I mean, like... There's argument over everything already? Anyway. I know, I'm just saying that one would be wild, because, like, first you get into the... Even just how you define a scene. Is a scene 30 seconds? Is it a minute? Is it 10 minutes? What is the length? Like, a moment of two seconds? Like, how long exactly does a scene last? I don't think that that matters as much as, like, you could put up nominees for them, and then, like... You know, pit them against each other. It would be fun. Because there are plenty of times when I go and watch a movie, and I'm like, damn, that was a good scene. And then the movie ends, and I'm like, no. <laughs> like, like the, movie, the movie doesn't necessarily have to be good for it to have an incredible scene. And I feel like it's another way for something to have, like, a shot at recognition at that higher level. Sure. Which it'd be, it could, like, really highlight a specific part of a performance where maybe, like, the rest of the person's performance was brought down by the rest of the writing uh, which happens in a lot of movies, I feel like. Uh, if, if the if maybe if the movie's all over the place, you get one great scene, or maybe if it's uh, plagued by bad editing or uh, after the fact changes. You know, hey, we, we we hear a lot of stories about movies dying on the cutting room floor and things like that. Yeah. Like sometimes with those movies specifically, you'll get like a scene that's like, holy shit! Like in the middle of it. <laughs> now with this proposed category embolden or quiet down the people clamoring for the snyder cut Christ. <laughs> can cut footage that didn't make final cut be nominated for the best scene okay now now you're introducing an entire other category which we can do which is best deleted scene <laughs> 
So we, we, that'll we be at our agree. ridiculous award show. I was gonna say we can all agree best deleted scene is the one from Step Brothers in which Rob Riggle dies and then comes back to life. Oh yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Like, don't even know how that didn't make in the movie. Uh, it's just because it breaks the flow in such an odd way. Because that's a really short scene in the movie, and it becomes a much longer one with that deleted scene. <laughs> um, but it's hysterical. <laughs> it was. It's so good. It's so good. Do you want to hear some of these? Sure. Let's scroll through. So give me like the top five or something uh, like that. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if these are in order, but uh, No Country for Old Men, the first coin toss. It's fair. Okay. Um, the Color Purple, Sophia's Monologue. Never saw it. Requiem for a Dream, The Room Cleaning. Never saw it. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, The Disappearing Memories. Solid Never scene. saw it. The Wife, The Final Monologue. Never saw it. This is why I thought it was interesting. I was like, I went through this. I was like, great concept. Let's dive in. Eh. <laughs> you know, uh, Eternal the Sunshine is on like the, the staircase. I never saw The Untouchables. I, sh- I should really see that and Eternal Sunshine. I've wanted to see that yeah. one for a while and never got around to it. I'm down to do an episode on Eternal Sunshine. When the when the when the new release dies down and we have a a break, we'll we'll do one of those. That'll be that'll be solid. Uh, Apollo 13, Houston, we have a problem. Mm. That's that is kind of I feel like on the on the cusp, cusp of what you were talking about before. Barely, it's like a line. Yeah, it's not a it's not so much a scene. Uh, 500 Days of Summer, Expectation versus Reality. Okay. Terms of Endearment, Give My Daughter the Shot. Uh, Goodwill Hunting, It's Not Your Fault, 100%. Oh, yeah. Perfect. Uh, I'm not going to go through the rest of these. I'm didn't but... go with How About Them Apples, though. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> no, oh, it's, not your, it's oh, not your fault, so The other one that's on here um, is You Bow to No One from Return of the King. Oh, nice. It's a pr- pretty solid scene. Yeah. Uh, but I think it's a cool concept. I would... I think that maybe while I'm watching movies this year, I'm going to try to think about that and see if I can come up with a few for the end of the year roundup and we could decide the best scene. <laughs> Fair enough. I'd be interested in doing mm-hmm. something like that. You got a new news nugget? Well, it sounds like I have a, an overlapping new with you about The Witcher. Ooh. Yeah, uh, let's, let's talk about that one. That's, that's more... That, that's, well, it's a half and half, really. Yeah. But go on. <laughs> I was like, because I saw this and I was like, ooh, I know we've been doing a lot of Witcher content over the, over the weeks, um, but already we're getting all this casting news. Is that what yours is about? Oh, mine was about uh, rejections of a role. Oh, well, then let's start with yours. Okay, so last week we talked a little bit about Mark Hamill is, is probably going to play Vesemir. Oh, I don't think I don't think it was solid, but it sounds like it's close. I think I saw a lot of people saying they wanted him to, but I didn't know if it was actually a thing that was happening. Oh, from well, that's another thing. Uh, a lot of these articles, I've I've been I've, I've, this is what I've, I've talked about this before on the show, and I, and with you specifically that like I feel like a lot of the times, and and we're doing the same thing here, really. Like, there's so much information. Yes. Right. And it's like you can corroborate the source a number of times and it could still be completely wrong because they didn't do it. Well, the problem is, <laughs> you a know, lot of these, or they did it the same way. I say a lot of these small sites, unfortunately, don't do two factor like corroboration stuff. So if you run with right, one source and everyone runs with the same one source, that's, that's true. how these like fake stories go around for so long. If no one gets secondary confirmation. Did no one see the newsroom? Because that happened in the internet age. <laughs> and everyone he knows. the takes. You have to make sure he you have the sources. <laughs> uh, 
so anyway, the well, the way that this particular article phrased it, and now I'm not going to go into detail because I don't want to like if the, if it was bad, that's not good. But anyway, they 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 made it sound like Mark Hamill is is a likely contender for the role. Okay. Not that it not that it was pitched, but uh, the role was uh, Michael Keaton and Mads Mikkelsen were approached for the role, and both declined. But I was I was thinking about the two of them. I think Michael Keaton could really nail it. I think Mads Mikkelsen is a little too intense for what I know the character to be. But again, I don't know it that the character that well. I only know it from the small amount that I've played The Witcher Three. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think, um, uh, Michael Keaton would be a, a solid choice. I don't know the character. Um, Mads Mikkelsen can do softer though. I thought he did a good job dialing it back in Rogue One. Mm. Also, it'd be yeah, cool to get know, him and his brother in this together at the same time. Yeah. The uh, I will say though, like I think that Mar- I I kind of hope that they go they Mark Hamill makes that work because he is actually like a perfect choice for what I would picture it as, okay. especially like the way that he delivers things and like he's he's just a little bit like as even when he's trying not to be he's always got a little bit of campiness to him mm-hmm. and like that I feel like that'll fit with the well one the show yeah <laughs> and and the character and the relationship him and Geralt have i don't know it could be it could that could be really oh, cool i mean don't get me wrong I, I would appreciate mark hamill having some more fun being in some cool other things that we enjoy so mm. so what was your witcher news oh so i have some actual like casting news um maybe not 100% confirmed but sound like they're very close to being confirmed the first thing i have here is christopher hifju who was Tormund Giantsbane in Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Seems likely to be cast in the role... The cursed character Novellin. Okay. Uh, I don't know that name. Don't don't know the character name, but love that guy. Yeah, me too. <laughs> um, and he is perfect for this sort of show, if he's going to keep... Especially if he's going to keep that beard. Um, so they said he's been... Uh, it's re- there's reports that he has been cast under the mysterious moniker Nigel, which is believed to be a codename for the cursed character Novellin. Um... The outlet claims to have uh, procured a casting sheet. This is Redanian Intelligence, which I've never heard of before, which describes Nigel as a charismatic, witty, and funny man who is from an aristocratic family. He's been cursed for the crimes he's committed in the past. The details of the character profile appear to match Novellin's backstory, shared in Andre Sapkowski's short story entitled A Green of Truth, sees Geralt of Rivia stumble upon a rundown manor inhabited by a monstrous, cursed nobleman known as Novellin. Um, this goes on to say that, uh, the second season has an ever-growing cast alongside Peaky Blinders actor Paul Bullion, who's been reportedly cast as Lambert, and Strike Back star Jason Ator, who is current, uh, apparently set to play Cohen. And there was okay. another one that we, uh, have, I believe, seen that was confirmed. Carmel Laniato, who was in that terrible-sounding Robert Downey Jr. movie, that just came out uh, to play Violet, an all-new character described as a young girl whose playful and whimsical demeanor is a front for a smarter and more sadistic character. Ooh, interesting. I am really excited to see where that show goes. Yeah. And did we... Did I forget. 2021? Yes. Okay, I was going to say, because for some reason, I had it in my head earlier today that it was 2020. I was like, that can't be right, because we keep hearing all this news and, like, digging on characters, like... There can't. It's not gonna be done, and so 2021 makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I think they're supposed to start shooting somewhat soon, but it's not gonna come out until next year. I, I like YouTube. Right? You like YouTube? Sometimes. 
I go on YouTube a lot, watch tech stuff, watch DIY stuff. A couple of times I was searching for Witcher things, and now every time I go on YouTube, there's one or two suggestions of somebody singing Toessa Coin to your Witcher. <laughs> and every single time that I catch one, I watch it. They're so good. There are so many good covers of that song. Oh, there's now, it's so there's exciting. now a lot of covers because oh, one good. cover got a lot of notoriety. Yeah, they're not just so many. They're good. There's a lot of good ones. And it's, uh, I love it. I love this it's, weird phenomenon. It's a good song. And then when you were like, but, and then like, especially when they're singing it super seriously, but you can't because of the words. And then, <laughs> oh, you mean and it's hard it's to just, take it, it seriously it so when fun. you say, and uh, he will be bleat or whatever it was? Or yeah. you can't be bleat. Uh, and that and mince their tender meat. Ah, uh, yes. That, that's another. <laughs> mince, mince their tender but, meat uh, is just ridiculous, but they be bleat or whatever it was as a play on words was ridiculous mm-hmm. yep <laughs> oh i kind of want to rewatch it yeah i think i probably will because i know maybe closer to the second season my my mom was interested in it and i had watched the first episode with her after having already re- like watched the whole show and um mm. i'm sure i'll get back into that with her periodically so i'll see if kim gets on board with it mm. I'll watch it uh my Knives Out Steelbook is up for pre-order, and I can't wait to watch it again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's one I'd be excited to see again. See how so, it holds up when you don't, when you now know where everything goes. Uh, oh yeah, for sure. Uh, um, I think it comes out. I think it's next week, next Tuesday, two Tuesdays. Oh, I think it, it was supposed to be next week, and then I think. Oh no, it's it's next week. I'm pretty sure. And then, um, end of March maybe. Uh, the the release date dropped for the Rise of Skywalker DVD. I don't care. I don't know if. People care about DVDs. I do, <laughs> yeah. but uh, mine's mine's pre-ordered. Got my little steel book coming. Nice. Pretty excited about it. Got to complete the collection for now. <laughs> Give me a new. Uh, okay, so this one actually isn't a new so much as two slightly related nuggets. Okay. So first, I'm gonna go with the first one, which is the less important one. So I saw a tweet. It was a quote tweet of a from Regal Movies on Twitter. Uh, it said, mm. you have a magic wand that grants a sequel to any movie you choose. What's your pick? And the person who Ooh. retweeted it on my timeline quote tweeted it with, how come like 99% of the replies to this are lead a battle angel? Like He's like, what's going on there? And so that's funny because a couple of months ago, I don't remember how I fell down this rabbit hole. I don't remember if I saw another tweet like this or if I followed a hashtag or what I was doing. But I saw this phenomenon online like three or four months ago there is a obsessed subculture online who loved like absolutely adored elite battle angel and is just constantly tweeting about it or on reddit or whatever i think it was on twitter though just constantly pushing for like first of all like talking about how much they loved the movie and then constantly pushing for a sequel which of which there is nothing proposed as of right now um even though it seemed set up for one and it did not super great in America, but it did really well internationally. Um, and I have no idea what this is about. I don't know if they're all How? bots. I don't know if it's... How does this happen? I don't know if it's like <laughs> 10,000 people who just loved it worldwide. I have no idea what it is. But that movie has a rabid, rabid fan base, and I do not understand it. But That's ridiculous. That's not super important. I just thought I'd bring it up because it's such a weird phenomenon to have encountered completely accidentally twice in the last like four months. The more important part of this is in response to this tweet, someone replied to this 
tweet and said, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. And so Regal responded to it and tagged Edgar Wright and said, same, please, Edgar Wright. And, oh no, I lost the tweet thread here. Hang on a second. No! No, I found it. Okay. <laughs> and Edgar Wright responded to Regal and said, you say that like I just happen to have $60 million in loose change on the bedside table, parentheses, I haven't counted it, but I don't think it's that much. <laughs> and then someone else responded to him and said, personally, I'd prefer a sequel to Baby Driver over Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, but I love both of these films. To which Edgar Wright said, you may get your wish on the former, ellipses. Interesting. So we may be getting a Baby Driver sequel, which had been rumored after, from like shortly after that movie, the first one came out. I don't really understand why we need a sequel to that one. Though, no, definitely I not. would say I don't really think we need a sequel to Scott Pilgrim either. No. No. Th- that, just, you could just make another movie. Yeah, just do something <laughs> new, different. Um, I liked I want an Edgar Driver. Wright sequel. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> I liked Baby Driver a decent amount. It actually hasn't lived yeah. up on replay to me as much. Baby Driver 2, all grown up. <laughs> Uh, man driver, yes. Um, <laughs> man driver. <laughs> Boy driver. Yeah, uh, that's true. That would come first. Um, but I loved Scott Pilgrim, and I don't really need the sequels either of them. I don't really know what you would do with it. It's 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 just such a great. It's a it's a whole story. Like, I don't. You don't need a sequel when the when there's a whole story. It was a whole what, completed you, story. Do you have something? Is there something you want a sequel to? Um, I was thinking about trolling and saying the Last Jedi. Um. But, uh, <laughs> no, there's some, something that I could, I, I, I don't know. I'd well, have to I guess if you're, if you're waving a magic wand, you can do that. Yeah, that I know, but I was it. just more afraid that I was going to get doxxed, so I didn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know, I'd have to really sit down and think about it, because the problem is, like, some of my favorite movies, like Scott Pilgrim, don't really lend itself to, like, a sequel. Like, one of my favorite, mm. absolute favorite movies is Cloud Atlas. Don't need a sequel to that. Absolutely love The Departed. Don't need a sequel to that. I absolutely love The Two Towers. There is a sequel to that. The story ended mm-hmm. with it. Um, I mean, there's other movies that I love, but not all of them lend themselves to sequel, really. Mm-hmm. If we're going, if we're going magic wand route, my magic wand does something that you know your wishes and magic are not supposed to do, and it brings somebody back from the dead. Uh, I would, I, I really would love to know. I, I loved. The Dark Knight Rises. I know that I'm, uh, I know that I'm in the minority of like when it comes to loving that movie, but I would love to see what the sequel to The Dark Knight would have been. Yeah, that so that that's what mine would be. I could see that. Um, that would make sense. I think the thing is, I think a lot of times that's the case. See, I'm kind of the opposite of you. I think a lot of people would probably use that magic wand to erase something that exists and erase something like Matrix Two and Three. Um, mm. I liked those movies. Yeah, they're not yeah. as good as the first one, but I don't feel betrayed by those movies in any way. I legitimately enjoy both those movies. I think they're good to very good movies. Yeah, they. Yeah, they. I, I. I enjoyed them. I didn't hate them when I saw them. Um, I know people. People. People get mad talking about those. Yeah, I know, and I don't. I don't get what is so like. Even though I've disagreed with a lot. Of, a lot of it. There's much more weight to people who feel betrayed by some of the Star Wars movies that have been made since the the original trilogy than there is to that. I, I really don't understand the hatred for the Matrix sequels at all. Yeah. Yeah. Very it's 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 strange. 
It's almost like they don't know that they're allowed to like things. Like, they don't have to be perfect, but you could like it. Well, that's kind of the personal crusade. Not that I'm, like, going out and fighting battles over it, but it's kind of the personal crusade that I've gone through with this sequel trilogy of Star Wars movies. Like, I am disappointed with two of the three of them. I'm really disappointed with nine, but I still enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. I still think it's good. It's not great. To me, um, and I think there's enough, you know, factual evidence to to say it's not great. But you know, if if you really enjoyed it, that's fine. I enjoyed it, but I'm still very upset with how it all ended. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would. Uh, I I would have preferred that it not taper off the way that it tapered off. But I yeah, I enjoyed it more than most. Yeah. Here's the thing. This is what you know. What people should do, Al. You know what they should do? Enjoy stuff. Enjoy stuff. <laughs> uh, you brought up the Matrix. Uh, More on that later. The <laughs> less nugget that I have. Well, less nugget I have here um, is that the uh, their stunts were caught on film from some folks filming with cameras and whatnot. I saw like uh, one behind the scenes thing of I guess I don't know if it's a motorcycle chase or just a motorcycle ride. But oh no, this was a this was like a two characters jumping off a building that somebody caught on a cell phone. Oh nice. That's pretty cool. It looked like a. I mean, I, I would assume from the look of it that it's uh, Neo and Trinity, but I. Well, I can sure. tell you that I the one I saw, the thing that I find odd is that Keanu Reeves is still has the John Wick appearance in this this video I saw. Hmm. Like he still had his long hair and beard. Interesting. Well, maybe it's real world verse. Well, no, because you saw, like, if it was actually outside, <laughs> then it wouldn't be. Well, I know he was on a motorcycle, so. Yeah, okay, good point. Well, at good first, point. I wondered if. You could program that in, though. That's, I mean, you could change your appearance. Sure. Um, yeah, like, you could get rid of a mustache, say. Um, <laughs> all right, we're, we're back on better terms with, with Henry Cavill. Let's not, let's not go there right now. It's not his fault. No, no. I just mean. It was endemic of a larger problem that we had with him and that whole franchise. Um, sure. I wondered if this was actually behind-the-scenes footage from one of the John Wicks, because he's on a motorcycle oh. and this and that. But apparently, and I couldn't see close enough, but in the video it said it was him and Carrie Ann Moss on the platform. So Interesting. I guess that means that it has to be from The Matrix. Huh. Eh, well, well, I guess we'll, we'll find out. When does that come out? The same day as John Wick 4. The same day... Remember we talked about this a few weeks ago on the show? I, no, I must have been out of it. <laughs> it oh, I think it was God. the week before we did Flicks and a Whisk 2. That's stupid. Parasite? Dude, double double feature action that day, I guess. I haven't done that in a long time. Yeah. The last time I, I did that was A Scanner Darkly and Superman Returns. Uh, both of those movies were not good. <laughs> and uh, it was a long day. <laughs> Funny that you should bring up A Scanner Darkly because I have been thinking about that movie lately and I never saw it. But there's a very specific reason why I've been thinking about it, which we will hear about more very soon on The Spin Tune. Dun dun dun. <laughs> article tease. Yeah. Love it. <laughs> on, I was saying, on the topic of article teases, uh, I posted today my review of season one of High Fidelity, which oh, nice. was so good. Um, Is it spoiler free? It is, well, you'll appreciate the spoiler, like, thing I put at the top. It says, light to medium 
spoilers. I think they were very, very light spoilers for the most part. There was some... Just a, just a dusting? There was some implication. <laughs> okay. But I Fair don't enough. think I did anything in there that was egregious in the sense of like real tangible uh, spoilers. I, I didn't think. But um, I was pretty Fair happy enough. with how it came out. I was very happy with that first season of the show. It's a quick watch. It's ten and a half hour episodes. Um, Hulu is. Is it a funny show? What kind of genre are we working with here? I would call it a dramedy. Okay, cool. It is definitely. That's my lane. Very funny, interspersed with quite serious. Mm-hmm. Um, although, for the most part, I found it to be a relatively light affair. But as it gets towards the end, and you know, we're really deep in people's feelings. You know, there's some. Uh-huh. So like lo- lovesick genre. Yes. Um, okay. There would I could see a decent parallel to lovesick overall. Uh, I do think at times it got a little bit more serious, but there's no like dramatic deaths or. I'm just I'm I'm just dying for you to give me the next lovesick. I'm dying for you to come back and tell me like season four is out. <laughs> I'm like ah. <laughs> uh, well, we, but we've said we don't. It seems very likely that we won't get unfortunately another another. Lovesick. No, that's that's fine. I'll just have to rewatch the series and honestly. That's that's a solid use of my well, time. Well, somehow I saw it like three times already. So yeah, <laughs> um, you should re- you'll revisit in a couple of years. I'll probably revisit sometime in the next twelve months. Um, nice, but anyway, so good. Yeah, I love so good. It. Um, but anyway, high fidelity, really, really good. That is a UN Kim show. Um, Excellent. I uh, I really enjoyed it, and I didn't expect to enjoy it that much. It was really not even on my radar until all of a sudden I I read one quick thing that was like oh. This is so good, and like I read like the the pitch, and I was like, I think it'll be like really your style, because like what I said it was kind of straight thoughts at the end of my review. Uh, I got like elements of some of the Edgar Wright stuff, um, BoJack Horseman, um, and um, Lovesick's a good one. I forgot there was one other thing that I mentioned that it, it really reminded me of, but uh, I I really enjoyed my time with it. It was over really quick, and I'm looking forward to another season. Nice. Do you have any other news and nuggets? Um, we have one other news slash nugget: the French Dispatch. Okay. Oh, did you see the about this? I did see the trailer. What do you think? It of is absurd. <laughs> I love it. I adore it. I'm just so excited. I believe. Uh, I don't know. I didn't give you any context because it was like hours later. But I recently sent you a text that just said "I'm giddy." That was after I watching the trailer. Oh yeah, I meant to. I think I just like stepped out of the shower when I was trying to grab my stuff to bring it downstairs, and I completely forgot to respond to you. Um, yeah, I was wondering what that was about. I was like, "What is he getting there, over?" There was so far when I've I, I've watched, I've only recently watched his movies or some of his movies, right? Like I the when we saw Grand Budapest Hotel, that was the first one that I saw. Uh, that was also the first one of his that I've seen. And then after that, I watched another one that I can't remember the name of. Uh, uh, Kids in a Camp and. Uh, crap anyway. is that steve zissou what no okay uh i don't i don't know what i don't remember that. that does not sound like the name of the movie that i watched but anyway it was good uh and i just like there's something about like after watching like i feel like i was watching grand budapest hotel and i was like turning and looking at the people next to me like this is so good like do you not like this is so good and like one person was asleep oh. and, then, and one person was like was it like enjoying it but not like I feel like you needed to be there is what I'm saying. As like, I needed, I needed the, the you to vibe off of because it's, <laughs> it's just it's so good. And then I was like, I guess I'm on my own with this one. And then I watched another one, and I felt the same way. And I didn't pretend that the like there's gonna be other people that are gonna want to watch it with me. And I just it, like just focused in. <laughs> 
I don't know what it is. There's, there's some, I, movies can evoke a certain emotions, feelings when you watch them. His movies do something weird. And like, I just, I, I'm like elated watching. I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you the word. Whimsy. It, <laughs> it is coattails in the wind. <laughs> his, his movies are whimsical. And um, you think I killed her. <laughs> you know, it was in the trailer and that was what sold me on going to see that movie. I still mm-hmm. laugh just as hard every time I see it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. God, that movie's ridiculous. I can't wait to see this. But yes, this had extremely that... I mean, they all have the same kind of vibe. They are kind of all the same movie, and yet all yeah. do something completely different every time. Uh, the only mm-hmm. other one of his that I've seen more than five minutes of is Isle of Dogs, um, mm. which was good. Um, I would like to see some of the others, like the Darjeeling Limited and... Um, Moon, was it Moonrise Kingdom? Is that the one you're talking about? That's the one. Okay. <laughs> the one that seems just from the very, very little bit of it that I can tell, like significantly different than the other ones, is Rushmore. Mm. Um, I still kind of want to see it, but I, I eventually I want to make time to see all of them. But uh, I probably yeah. haven't given them the priority that they deserve. Man, I'm excited. You you dropped that one on me out of nowhere. Yeah, I figured. Well, you know, I mentioned. I think I sent it to you and Brian last week. But I know last week you weren't feeling great, so we kind of skipped some of the news nuggets stuff that we normally mm-hmm. do. So I didn't bother bringing it up for the show. Um, but I had to refresh myself on the trailer. But I mean, just the insane cast that they put together for these movies. Like, oh yeah, how many of these people like just want to come and show up for ninety seconds? But yeah, like that's the thing. It's like when when these characters, when these actors come on screen, and like they just. You can just tell they're having a good time. Like I've seen that with a handful of directors. Like he, uh, he's one of them. Uh, Taika Waititi is clearly another like perfect example of it. Like people like to work with these guys. Yeah. Like they do something really fun. Uh, I, it's I'm when does that come out? I'm very excited. Uh, I think in a few months. I don't remember actually what the date was. Excellent. Well, I'm looking forward to that. Do we have time for Mr. Robot? <laughs> I don't know. We can push it another week if you want to, but if, if you're ready, to you. I'm ready. Uh, yeah, I think I'm ready. Okay. I don't have any other news or nuggets, so... I, I don't either, so... Okay. My final thoughts, finally, on Mr. Robot. Finally. Oh, boy. <laughs> finally. <laughs> Teased for months and then weeks now. Um, let me start you off with a tweet-length review. Okay. A dark and thrilling tale that consistently keeps you on the edge of your seat... And more importantly, keeps you guessing up until the very last scene. That's all I have to say. On to funny games. No. <laughs> okay, hang on. Like, uh, okay, up until the very last scene. I feel the way the way that you pause and phrase it. I thought you were. T- I thought you were about to tell me like it keeps you guessing up until then, and then you just get you just figure it all <laughs> on your own. No. Um. So here it was an interesting. It was an interesting experience. So you saw the first season of Mr. Robot. And you yes. said you saw a couple episodes of the second season? Yeah, I don't remember. It could have been half. It could have been more. I don't even... Okay. So, because I think the first three seasons were all ten episodes each, and I think the final season was 13. Um, okay. <clears throat> if I remember correctly. Now, let's we're going to get into a little bit of spoilers in for first season of Mr. Robot, just to draw some parallels here. So if you guys haven't seen it and want to see it, the first three seasons are all free on Amazon Prime. Fourth season was only finished a few months ago, so... I think you had to pay for that. I had access to it on demand. Um, but in the first season, right, they they tee up a lot of storylines, a lot of characters, 
um, and a lot of mysteries in that very first episode of the first season. Um, I was able to figure out a few of them. I'm guessing you probably were then or very soon after as well. Um, Because as much as I think they do a good job with the mystery and everything is consistent, you know, there's a fair amount of foreshadowing and implications for if you've ever seen any other stuff that has mystery stuff in it. You know what I mean? Right. Um, So I didn't actually think that the big twist was that big in for the first season the first season yeah no, um, i didn't think so so the second it just gets it, it the, the twist of the first season gets a little bit it, it gets a little bit heavy-handed as the season goes on to the point of like if you haven't figured it out by now you weren't watching yes so um obviously like i said we're gonna do some spoilers here you know mr robot isn't real it's in elliot's imagination he's got multiple personalities or is hallucinating a second personality right um that was i i believe it i believe the first episode ended and i turned to kim he's not real um so that was something i kind of went through the same process as well during that first episode um the one there was another smaller also related twist obviously in the first season um Mm -hmm. which i saw half of coming not the second half i knew that it was tied to the fact that he had that it was probably a multiple personality situation because he clearly had an established relationship with these people that he was misremembering or not remembering, mm-hmm. right? Um, so I knew that that was what was going on. What I didn't know was that Darlene was his sister. That mm-hmm. shocked me, you know, and the way they deliver it is a very Skywalker-esque. Um, what I didn't see coming was any of the twists. Well, not any of them. The major twist in the second season, which is actually kept as a better secret and... I think was an even more important and impactful one. And third was a much harder one to see um, okay. coming. But as soon as it happened, I was like, you know, I've had these alarm bells going on in the back of my mind this whole time that not as all is wrong. Something's wrong. Yeah, not all is as it seems. <laughs> and we know that's going to be the case because we saw the first season, but they were much more coy with it in the second season. And so when that one happened, I was like, oh boy. Because then I went through that whole thing, you know, when you see, like, the montage in a movie where someone comes up with a big reveal and then you see all the scenes and you put it all together. That yeah, happened yeah. in Fast Forward in my mind, and I was like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> so I ended up really liking it. Now, I would say there wasn't really the same thing like that in the third season, although for some reason, I think plot and thematically the third and fourth season are so interconnected, mm. more so than the first two Uh, Oh, really? Even though it was a very cohesive and coherent show from start to finish, like, it never feels like it suffers from, like, its own personality disorder, right? Where, you know, sometimes shows, like, feel wildly different in tone or whatever from first to second season. They had continuity in the writing room. Did did three and four feel like a a season A, B type thing? To a certain extent. I mean, they are very sequential, but... um, yeah, I felt the two of them blurred in my mind. Like, I forget some of the events where they took place. Like, was that late gotcha. third or early fourth or vice versa? Stuff like that. Um, but it's all really good. And it's progressively gets darker and darker. Still maintaining a balance of having a bit of levity. Um, but as far as big and awe-inspiring as the story and the scope is, we're talking about world-shattering events. It is really a show about one person's trauma and getting over it and the people in his very tight-knit circle who help him or are affected by his own suffering with all of that and him coming to terms with all of it and hmm. the audacity of this show 
in both of those storylines, the big world-shaking stuff and the little life-altering stuff is incredible. Like, it's when you look at it, when you take a step back from it and look at it all, it's like, holy shit. And it's a type of show where you could say maybe some of the things happen or don't happen. You can get into those arguments the way you would at the end of, like, an Inception. Um, mm. I think it was fairly straightforward. Uh, I'm inclined to believe that that was the case in this one. Um, but what I found incredible about the finale was, um, like I said, the whole idea of keeping guessing till the very last scene is, it's a dangerous game to play. Because there's a really fine line you have to walk, because you can leave too many loose ends, which is actually mm. something I felt uh, was true of The Leftovers to a certain extent. Okay. I really liked that show. We talked about that a few months ago, That I how much I enjoyed that show. Some people, like adore it beyond all belief and in certain aspects of the show i feel that that's the case for me people view it as like a pitch perfect finale i was actually less impressed than some other people still enjoying it still think it was a good finale but i didn't think it was as life-altering for me my money i still think maybe breaking bad might have had the best finale of anything Mm. although ultimately mr robot just for satisfying everything that needs to be satisfied and having the audacity to go there, and some people end up happy, and some people don't, and, you know, it's an optimistic ending overall, even if not everyone ends up with the happiest ending. Sure. Um, I think that this walked that line between leaving too many loose ends like maybe the leftovers did, but also not ruining it by explicating everything and leaving some mystery or some imagination, you know what I mean? Yeah. It was a really tough thing to thread and i think they did it uh, we, we've talked about that uh in the past i mean we've, because we've done a crap load of movies but like there is there's there is leaving some mystery and then there's leaving the core as the mystery and that's just not okay yeah. so like if you're leaving a few threads that you can you can reasonably come to your own conclusion about that's fine you just yeah. you can't leave the whole thing open because that means you didn't know what to do i agree uh although I can understand the temptation in certain shows where we just went so big and our following is so big that, you know, you say sometimes with these sorts of things, some people are going to be upset with it or whatever. And there's times where you risk too significant in a group of people being upset with it. So I can understand, you know, if maybe you just feel you're inadequate to finish the story, like things can get out of hands, right? You lose the reins and the horse is dragging you kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so I can sympathize even if I just pictured that do it. Oh, I pictured yeah? that in like in like a silent film style. <laughs> just want you to know that. And, and now you know exactly what I'm talking yes. about. <laughs> yes, black and white, and then like yeah, the, 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 and like the the, the, the crackling part. screen and the yeah. Te- yeah. <laughs> I can, and it was you. Oh, to wow. be clear, <laughs> not someone. Who's no, like, you were the horse, and you were dragging me. Oh. <laughs> no, that that just adding that. Weird. It's weird. Uh, I can understand the temptation. Right? <laughs> like, hey, this is getting, this has gotten too big for me. I don't think I can like land this plane anymore. So right. maybe I'll just fly off into the sunset and hope for the best. You know. <laughs> yeah. Nothing to see here. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think this show completely wrapped at the end. All the major storylines are satisfied. Even if everything isn't 100% explained, although they do explain a lot of them, um, and sometimes, Mm -hmm. some of the explanation is, even that, is like, it's sufficient for closure, even if it isn't enough for satisfaction. Okay. That's super important. 
Um, and there's room for not the show to go on. The show is done. There doesn't need to be any more. Like, they, had they chosen to push off some things, I'm sure they could have like kept the show going longer. And it would have been fine. Um, I'm, I think I'm glad they didn't, even though, I, you know, of course I'd like more. Um, sure. But at the end of it, you know, there's still a world here. I think sometimes we kind of run into with some of these shows when it ends. It's like, okay, you did a good job finishing the story, but how does this world continue to exist after the the camera switches off, right? Like, to a certain extent, right. I feel like Game of Thrones, that was true. Harry Potter, like, that was true. Like, we don't need more stories, and I don't even know how you would do them. Yeah. Which is kind of a... Hmm. You know, I don't know why. It leaves me feeling a little weird. Um, but, hmm. I, you know, I, I, I appreciate it. Um, what I... <laughs> What I was left with at the end was I shouldn't have enjoyed... I shouldn't have, like, actually enjoyed the show f- so much for how dark some of it gets. You know what I mean? Like... Okay. You know what I mean? Like, when I'm saying literally, like, like the word joy, like, not, not that I would say I felt elated during some of the dark stuff, because I certainly wasn't, but, like, sometimes when you're watching something that heavy, it's like, man, this is really good, but I kind of need a break from it. I never yeah. felt like... I, like, I kept wanting to come back for more, even while I was oh, like, good. man, this is dark! <laughs> Tell me what happens next. <laughs> well, then what happened? Yeah, because like I mean, so you know, from watching the first season, like he sees a therapist, right? And at a certain mm. point, he stops seeing her, and then goes back in with more therapy with her later. And you finally get drilled down into what it is that makes Elliot tick, and it's like, oh boy, like I feel yeah. like I need a therapist. To get through his therapy sessions. Oh, okay. So, but what you're saying is, I have to finish it. I would, I would strongly recommend it. Yes. I think I'm gonna have to start over though. That probably makes sense, or at least watch like a 15 minute recap of the first season. Yeah, I, don't know, I think getting this continuity and the style back. Yeah, would be helpful. I, I did think one of the the coolest things about it was it had one of those like you kind of play a game with yourself, or the show is you play a game with the show like. When you wait, you wait to see how the show opens and when they're going to decide to do the title card. Because there was one episode where, like, I swear it took 15 minutes to get to it. Yeah, it's in the middle of the show. Yeah. Or they forget and then the credits roll. Yeah. uh, Could you imagine that? Like, uh, the title card. Mr. Robot. Credits. And then credits. (laughs) (laughs) That would be cool. No, because most of the times, you know, sometimes it was in the first 60 seconds. Sometimes it was three minutes in. And, like, there was one of them where it was, like, 18 minutes in or something like that, it felt like. And I was like, Jesus. Yeah, um, that's <laughs> it's just a hell of a ride, and it's really well acted, and it's really, really well written. Um, yeah, I uh, it, it's definitely stuck with me. Nice. I'm gonna. I'll. I'll. I'll get back to it. That makes me. That makes me excited to to get through it. I think there was also there was a. I don't know why we stopped. I think I don't know if there's like other stuff going on, or we were watching other things, but we just kind of drifted away from it, and then never went back. Yeah, but. that's a weird experience when that happens, right? Yeah, because um, like I, I, re- I remember the show fondly. That's why I think it's so strange. It's like I don't have a bad attachment to it. Yeah, I mean, like it just seems like the type of thing you would have stuck with, especially if you were like, you know, like it's only four seasons of it, and the fourth season ended like a few months ago. So it's like if you were watching it, you were watching it basically like contemporary with when it was airing, like maybe a, a month after or whatever. But like you know, it's not like you were had to catch up on eight seasons of it or something like that. No, you know what I think? I think what might have, now that I'm thinking about it, what might have happened was that we binged the whole first season and the second season was on. 
mm. and we we were catching up and then when we caught up and we had to wait a week and then wait a week and then and i think that's when we drifted away from it okay like because then it was like we we, we missed a week because we were doing something and then like we didn't you know didn't catch back into it and then it's like and then just kept putting it off and then ultimately never finished it i see i see but mm, that's i think th- that sounds like what happened <laughs> i vaguely can remember the time in my life when we were watching it so <laughs> i'm pretty sure that's what it was but okay i'll have to i'll have to go back to it that's a uh, makes me happy now um you started watching or re- restarted watching bojack right i did how far did you get into I, uh, that? Uh, just a couple episodes uh it's it is good it's it's very good. I don't. I. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's absolutely absurd. There. You know what? My favorite thing about it is just like the really dumb thing. Like these humans and these animals live together. There's no question about it. It's just how it is. Yep. But they still do animal things. My two favorite things so far have been he's smoking a cigarette and goes, <laughs> and when he <laughs> to blow out the smoke that was hysterical and then the other thing was uh he's at peanut butter's house and the doorbell rings and he goes someone's at the door let's go see who it is yeah (laughs) yeah mr peanut butter is the one that you see most commonly doing animal things because you see him the most of all the animals um okay i guess with the exception maybe of princess carolyn but she doesn't really do cat stuff that often one of my favorite things with her is they give her these tongue twisters to do and she totally nails them and i can't think of any of them off the top of my head because not something i'd ever be able to do like i'd have to practice it <laughs> for 10 minutes to get it right um and like they'll be like really really long ones um i think my favorite stupid joke that just took so long to set up and i almost missed the punchline and if you missed it it's like you'll never think to go back and look for it and i saw it and i was like oh my god and i literally had to pause it like, just sit and, like, stop. and Like, it wasn't like I was laughing, and that's why I, t- I just had to stop <laughs> and live it with the moment for a second. Because <laughs> I was like, there's no way what I think just happened happened. And I had to rewind it 90 seconds and watch it again. And then once I confirmed what it was that happened, I st- just lost it. was dying laughing. <laughs> it was this whole set of, the, the whole episode, I think the episode was titled Thoughts and Prayers. Okay. And you know how like that happens whenever there's like a big tragedy, right? Oh, thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers. So this mm-hmm. was about all these like mass shootings. And it was a series of production meetings and stuff like that with a bunch of different characters. And it seemed like literally every five minutes in the course of a day, there was a mass shooting. And everyone's getting the alert and everyone oh thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers. <laughs> and then like like, in the middle of, like, a pitch meeting, in the middle of, like, hashing out, like, a script for a show. Like, they were trying to cast right. a show, like, stuff like that. And a couple of them... So, J.K. Simmons plays Lenny Turtletob, famed producer Lenny Turtletob, who is a... It's Perfect. A um, it's, a, it's a good role for him. And Shock. him and Princess Carolyn walk out, and Todd is left in the room with a bunch of other execs. Oh, and- just, wait, I'm sorry. Pause for one second there. That's the other thing. They're not just animals. They have pet... Like, the names a pet would have. That's what's also great. Yeah. Like, Mr. Peanut Like, and, and Princess Carolyn. And Princess Carolyn, yes. So, okay, um, go on. Um, <laughs> it's, so, uh, it's so stupid. I love it. I think my favorite, actually, animal name is Tom Gumbo Jumbo. Uh, the Keith Olbermann-voiced <laughs> whale newscaster. Oh, yep, I've seen him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's just Patton Oswalt's Neil Seal, or whatever it was. Patton Oswalt actually voices a lot of... Different characters over the course of the show, I think. Excellent. 
Uh, some of them recurring. But uh, so Todd gets left in the room with like these writers and executives. And there might have been an actor or two in it. I forget. And Princess Carol and Lenny Turtletop leave. And I don't know if they asked him to stall or like keep everyone occupied or whatever. I think he was the one who pitched the show originally. And they come back in and he's in the middle of a pitch to everyone at the room. And he's got like one of those big like flip notebook storyboard things. And mm-hmm. he had, like, drawn stuff on it and he was explaining really earnestly and passionately. And you're like, what is he talking about? Because you come in mid-thought, right? Mm-hmm. And he goes, so if you take these shoes, they're like those old... I, I'm, I should remember what they were. Were they the air shocks or whatever? One of those shoes that you, you squeeze them and they, they gave you more support? Pumps. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so he goes, the only way we can deal with this is to give everyone these shoes and you know once you pump it you'll be able to run faster than their bullets Uh, i i could see what i can i am i probably would have had the same reaction if i was watching it by myself i would have been like wait It's right, because everyone knows that song and remembers it. But, like, mm-hmm. at the point I was watching it, because this is from a couple seasons ago, it's, like, eight years after that song was popular. Oh, yeah. And it's, That's like, tremendous. it took me a second. Like, it just rattled around in my brain until it just stuck. And I was like, oh, my God, they're really doing a Foster the People joke? <laughs> like, a super earnest Foster the People joke. <laughs> That's pretty great. That's pretty great. I. Uh, so a couple of things that have that have really tickled me so far. Uh, you said we talked a little bit about animals doing animal things. Princess Caroline is on the phone, and she's got on her desk like a scratching post with a mouse hanging from it, and yes. she's just swatting at it while she's talking to Bojack. Yep. That that was hysterical. And the other thing, do you recall the episode? It's very early in the first season, uh, where he takes the muffins off of the apples in the produce section. And the the seal that's coming home from Afghanistan went to the bathroom, and he had dibs on those muffins. Do you recall this? No. Well, it gets into this whole thing about how he doesn't respect the troops, and he stole the the muffins. And of course, he he when he gets home, he eats all of them <laughs> at once. And they're talking on uh, like later on, it's on the news, and he calls in because he's getting furious at the way they're talking about him. And he says that he he's like, "Couldn't you just return the muffins?" He's like, "I already ate all of them." And then he goes into this, he's like, like you ate, how many muffins were it? It was like four muffins? And he goes, no, it was, and the, the seal was like, I know how many were it. It was a box of 12. And he goes, you ate 12 muffins today? And he he launches into this entire thing about having no self-control. And like he really, like he's basically breaking down in the scene, but in a very comical way. Yeah. And that's that was like one of those glimpses of what you were explaining to me. Of like the show is dark. Yep. Like, he's got issues, and, yes. and they all come to the forefront in that scene, but it's so funny as it's happening. So that's what's the genius of this show, is over the course of the six-plus seasons, because it's the last season was a longer season or whatever, um, it's an experiment in the whole, like, pot in a boiling... Uh, a frog in a pot of water boiling, like, increasing temperature by one degree, where they don't mm-hmm. feel the t- change in temperature until it gets they're boiled and cooked alive, right? Yeah. The show does that to you, where you're like, oh, that was kind of dark. Uh, but then it's like, hey, look over here. We got funny stuff going on. And it's like, oh, cool, whatever. Like, yeah, we'll take the good with the bad, and it is what it is. And the ratio keeps 
changing incrementally over the course of the show where mm-hmm. they're still giving you the funny just less often but it's still there like you're not you're never it's never like full-blown you're not gonna like completely miss it but you'll yeah. notice that it's dying yeah okay. but instead of it being like 60 40 comedy dark it ends up like 70 30 dark comedy and it's like mm-hmm. oh when did that happen? Like, fuck. That's that's one of the one of the reoccurring things is like his need to be like the center of attention, right? And yes. like the uh, his agent is like, I have to go to another client. He's like, you have other clients. Yep. And, she, and then if it, he's in the hospital in this scene, and the doctor comes in and tells him what he needs to do, and, <laughs> and he goes, I can't do this right now. I have other patients. You have other patients. That, <laughs> yep. That. And it's all all those little things that just seem like one-off little gags of self-involvement you find out are full-blown, you know, traumas and character flaws that he has to work through. And yeah. it's like, wow, I didn't realize like the warning sides have literally been there from the first episode. And it's you know, it's feature and bug sort of situation. Yeah. Um, but there's just so many great running jokes or running things. One of my favorite ones is um, like, uh, they did it more in the first couple of seasons. You, so you've probably already seen it once or twice even. Uh, anytime that he, you're on TV or you see TV um, with one of those morning shows, it's hosted by a Ryan Seacrest type. Mm-hmm. Uh, that man's name is a Ryan Seacrest type. Yeah. Like, that is Brilliant. his legal birth name. Uh, it's br- <laughs> And it's like, you know what? How do you not just fucking Bravo. lose it and laugh at that? And, like, his co-host is always like, you know... A stereotypical blonde or something like that is her name, and then like, <laughs> like the next season, it's like another blonde or something like that. <laughs> God, I it, it I, I'm gonna watch more of it yeah. for sure. I'm a I'm a little hooked right now. Did you see when he steals the Hollywood D? No, not yet. Okay, because it does happen. I think I thought it was within the first three or four episodes. Maybe it was about halfway through the first season. Well, it could it could be. I think I'm only two or three in. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, so very, very silly. That's the best, very silly, stupidest running joke. Just everything becomes Hollywood, and no one asks a question. <laughs> I love it. Shall we get into some fun and games? Let's do it. All right, Al. For you, I have which Birds of Prey character are you? Okay. You ready? Yes. Choose the wild animal you'd love to have as a pet, assuming <laughs> it wouldn't murder you. Hyena. Snake, bat, tiger, leopard. I'll stick to dogs, thanks. Um, I'll go with I'll stick to dogs. Okay. How would your friends describe you behind your back? Funny, kind, confident, ambitious, independent, or intelligent? Jeez, I'm talking about uh, getting deep into the neuroses here. Um, just go, oh, I don't know, and you shove the microphone off the table and run away. <laughs> I don't know, what do you say behind my back? <laughs> uh, These are all good things. Yeah, um, I don't know, kind, I guess, I don't know. Okay. Which musical artist would you choose to create the soundtrack of your life? Stevie Nicks, Beyonce, Cher, Mary J. Blige, Lady Gaga, or Rihanna? Stevie Nicks. Choose the color that speaks to your true aura. Purple, green, red, yellow, blue, black. Not a color. Reoccurring thing on this. <laughs> on these quizzes. Black. Darkness. No parents. No parents. Uh, green. The opposite of light. <laughs> I'll go with green. Choose the DC comic hero you want to hang out with. 
Wonder Woman, Flash, Aquaman, Batman, Cyborg, or Shazam? Let's go with Shazam. Choose an activity to do with your friends on a Friday night. Get dinner and see a movie. Order a pizza and have a slumber party. Go dancing. Do a planned group activity, like a wine tasting. Start an underground fight club. Drink, drink, drink. Let's do a planned activity. Okay. And a little wine tasting? Sounds good. Yeah, fun. why not? Can I come? Sure. Sweet. Sip on some unicorn juice? You're, ki- you're kind. You know that? What's that? <laughs> I said you're kind. You know that? Oh, thanks. <laughs> and finally, choose a literal bird of prey. <laughs> oh, nice. Owl, falcon, vulture, hawk, eagle. No thanks. Birds freak me out. <laughs> um, it's a shame there's no, like, osprey or something. Uh, falcon. Falcon. All right. Let's see who you are. You got black canary. Okay. While you can be a little kept to yourself at first, you have a voice that demands to be heard, literally and figuratively. You're that, calm, cool, collected, and always on the top of your game. It's kind of funny. It's funny, because that, uh, I don't know if the character herself fits me, but that description does. <laughs> <laughs> I dig it. I dig it. Awesome. Uh, with that, shall we get into our flick of the week? Yeah, let's do it. Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn, released in 2020, rated R, with an hour and 49 minute run to- Rated R? We're going to have to talk about that in a minute. Uh, after splitting with the Joker, Harley Quinn joins superheroes Black Canary, Huntress, and Renee Montoya to save a young girl from an evil crime lord. That's a pretty accurate, pretty accurate plot. Uh, that's your IMDb synopsis. <laughs> now, let's, shall we do our tweet length reviews? Yes. As we, as we open the show. Uh, would you like to go first? Sure. Um, good, but more importantly, and accurately, it's fun. Weird, fun, funny, and thank God it doesn't take itself too seriously. Okay. Interesting. I feel like you're probably going to have liked this a little bit more than me. I liked it. Don't get me wrong, but we'll see. We'll get there. Here's mine. A handful of good ideas and interesting takes on Stitch to get... Bah. Sorry. I just... I just... <laughs> I, like, ate my words. A handful of good ideas and interesting takes on characters that we haven't seen in a bit stitched together in the only way the heads of the DC film franchise know how. Badly. <laughs> you can um, uh, you can definitely see some seams in this movie for sure. Yeah, uh, the five out of ten. That's that's my rating here. Oh, okay. Uh, I went with seven out of ten. I think I was probably a little okay. bit um, a little bit uh, generous with it, but uh, I enjoyed it. I like it was solid. I think there's uh, there's a lot of solid pieces. Well, there's 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 three particular solid pieces that really elevate the movie uh, and might give you a little bit of blinders. Yeah. But I think overall, I, I there's basically what it comes down to uh, the there are certain performances that are tremendous and really like really entertaining and really they really nail their version of the character. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Uh, it's plagued with the, the writing is not good. I do not care for the writing in the movie. There's definitely times. The there's plot. definitely times where it's bad. Yeah. I do not care for how they how they moved the plot along, which was another weird thing here and there. That was but, my uh, biggest criticism with it. Is there's sometimes where everything just came to like a screeching halt, and it's like, okay, I don't mind taking a second to kind of slow it down. Let's figure it out. But like. If, you know what it felt like is it felt like we were doing micro like doses of cocaine and it was like <laughs> like oh so much action and then like just like, nothing and it's like whoa coming down yeah a little yeah. bit of cocaine uh, it- uh coming down and it was like can we balance this a little bit it's like when you first learn how to drive 
and you step on the brake and the gas too hard, and neither of them <laughs> for long enough time, so you're just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah, the, the movie is decidedly not smooth. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's uh, that's perfect. Uh, it's also uh, it's plagued by a marketing team being involved way too early and way too much. Like they have, I feel like marketing had too much say in the movie. Uh, and also kind of shows with the renaming of the movie in the zero hour. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. That's, but, uh, it's, it's just such a weird thing. That, that, whole, that whole name change thing is for SEO purposes. It's so that you could find the movie better when you search for it. And it's really stupid. Uh, we know what we're like. If you know, like if you're if you're interested, you're already interested. I don't think that people are going to be going out searching for this thing. Well, there's two things. One, if you're interested, you're already interested. Two, they promote this movie sufficiently. If like if you had the ability to see promotional material for this, you would have seen it by now. Like you're not mm-hmm. just gonna find it. And the thing is, if you search Harley Quinn, if you search Birds of Prey, if you search DC, Margot Robbie, pick your word. You're gonna find this movie. Right, it's gonna be right there. Uh, like rearranging the title, like you now if you want to say that the title was too unwieldy, this and that, that should have been done a long time ago. And it's not gonna change uh, that- a thing. There's no one who saw <laughs> exactly. the movie on the marquee and said, There's too many words in that title, I'm not gonna say it. Alright, because they didn't print all those words on the marquee. Didn't That's fit. Right. There's only a <laughs> You know, limited real estate up there. Yeah, <laughs> but what a just what a strange decision. Uh, Margot Robbie is perfect as Harley Quinn. Uh, perfect. You know what? Her her accent annoys me a little bit at times, but other than that, yes, uh, I I like it because I feel like it's a I feel like it's a, a just a a more modern take or like a more New York take on the Harley Quinn from the animated series. That's what it is. is. The one- it, it was how much fake New York there was in it. Yeah, which is, uh, oh, if you want to talk fake New York, uh, let's uh, talk about Montoya. Uh, oh my god, could I, I could not stand her accent. <laughs> but the thing is, isn't she real New York? Uh, no, well, it was a caricature of it. That may be the case, but the thing is, yeah, she's from Brooklyn. Um, yeah, well, the, the thing oh, is, and, I, and people from, that are actually from the New York area have it. The word. It's just I don't like the accent. I grew well, up with it. What I'm yeah. saying is liking it is <laughs> totally different than like putting it on. The point is like, she, oh, okay. unlike Margot I, I, Robbie, it's not fake. Like that is her oh, voice. You know what I mean? Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I understand. Either way, I don't, I don't, I don't care for that one. I liked. I think Margot Robbie's was was kind of fun. Um, well, the thing is, hers was kind of a moving target. So like, there were certain scenes and certain line deliveries where it didn't bother me at all, and there were some where I was like, okay, let's just dial it back a little bit. Hmm. Yeah, but she's, I don't know, it's, it's so funny because, like, she's so good at this character, and I feel like, just take, if we, if we could just take her as this character, just pull her out of this, like, we're, let's stop being bound to this existing DC, fran- like, <clears throat> franchise universe, like, it's gotta, it's, it's, it's gotta die, we gotta let it die. I mean, for the most part, I thought they did, though. Yeah, but it's, it's, it's not, because it's clearly in the same spot, it's in the same universe as Suicide Squad. Yeah, but, like, we didn't see any, or at least I didn't see any Easter eggs, any of them. No one mentioned any dead shots or... Oh, no, there was an Easter egg. Uh, What's his face? The one that, uh, the, the, the kangaroo one. They called him kangaroo something or other. Yeah. Uh, anyway, his, his posters on the, 
his posters on the wall in the police station. Okay, but like that's such like such background noise. I didn't even see it. You know what I mean? Like no one like name dropped him. Like no one like made like an oblique reference to him. Like I'm not offended by someone putting a poster in the background like that. It had but it's also it's well the the entire core of the movie is a character that was in that in that movie. Fine, but the sense. the point is all of the ties were left behind. Like because we didn't even get any flashbacks to the Leto Joker. Like you, the point is he could have been any Joker. You know what I mean? Like, it, hmm. it didn't have to be that Joker. But it was that Joker. Sure, but that's your baggage. That's not the movie's baggage. <laughs> uh, no, it's it's un- it's the movie's baggage because they're 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 still trying with this universe, and they've 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 killed it. They made it bad. Yeah, but what I'm saying is, this movie did kill that for all intents and purposes. This isn't ever going to filter back into that. I don't believe. Mm, I, what's going to go on with the Suicide Squad sequel? I don't know. She's not in it, is she? I don't know. I, I didn't think she was. No, nope, but, was but right. just she, the she fact that that's so never mind. I take that back. That's there. Like this is not separated. Imagine the Birds of Prey will return in the sequel to Suicide Squad. See, I just figured Which... they would do a sequel to this with them, or do their own but... spinoff with them. Maybe, but even so, I don't know. There's just something. There is something about this Gotham that I don't care for. I don't think it's a, it's the worst version of it on screen. Yeah, uh, I mean, we saw sunlight in this movie, so um, it felt like a different Gotham at least. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, <laughs> here, so I have here Margot's Harley Quinn, Mary's Huntress, and Ewan's Black Mask are just that that's the that's the triumphant for this movie they're so good the three of them and even though one of them barely gets any time they are so great when they're on screen <clears throat> definitely Ewan McGregor um, is having a blast in this role <laughs> well the thing is I thought a lot of them were which is part of why I thought this movie was so fun was it looked like they were having fun so why wouldn't I um mm. or conversely I feel more comfortable sitting down and watching this because it doesn't look like anyone's holding them there against their will because like you know what What scene could have really showcased someone looking like they were being held against their will, and that's, you know, the mildest of spoilers, which technically we didn't lift the spoiler veil or whatever. When she's hallucinating that, like, 1930s-era, like, song and dance routine that, like, mm. had heavy uh, Indiana Jones Temple of Doom vibes, um, they all looked like they were having fun. Yeah. Like, I didn't see anyone true. screaming for help with their eyes. You're right. They did look like they were having fun. That scene was really... That, that's one of the scenes that... I thought it was very strange and weird and didn't really... F- it, it, I guess it fits with the chaoticness of the rest of the movie, but it's... I don't know. It was a little bizarre. Well, the thing is, it didn't overstay its welcome. I mean, what was it? Some total of 10 seconds? No, I guess it didn't. It was just... There was a... Here's the thing. I feel like this movie... I, 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 you know how I feel about runtimes in movies. Not a... Not really a problem for me, usually. Uh, this type of movie could have done well in a, in a tight 90 minutes. I think that would have made this a little bit better. Uh, and I do think that you probably could have completely cut out the cop. We'll get into that in post-spoiler territories, but the character is completely unnecessary and doesn't actually do anything for the plot. Um, I don't know about it that. Try, it tries to show a side of Gotham in the police station, a little bit of a corruption piece of it, but it's just, it's completely unnecessary. It doesn't really, it doesn't really fit with the rest of what's going on. This is a story surrounding the criminals and it should have stayed that way. I agree that the few times that they tried to use her to like justify like spending time with the police in this story, 
mm. like giving her a backstory with the the ADA and that sort of stuff, like barely giving her a backstory. Yeah, yeah, like they they either should have gone all in or none at all. I'll agree with you on that. Um, I I don't mind having the aspect of that the character herself ended up being kind of a nexus for like what was going on. You know, the connection between Canary and Quinn and Huntress and Cassandra Kane, like all of that going down well, not the Huntress part of it, I guess, but all of that going down at the police station, it only makes really sense if there is someone on the inside that we're seeing. But yeah, getting into the backgrounds of the politics within the Gotham police station, total waste of time. You're right. Yeah. Dumb. Dumb. Um, and that time well, could have been spent with Huntress or, honestly, just Roman um, to give them a little bit more time to do stuff because they were really good in their role and the characters seemed like they were interesting even though, like, I want to know a little bit more about what Roman, what makes Roman tick than I do what makes the cop tick. Or I want to, like, we get the gist of Huntress doing revenge stuff, right? But give us a little bit more time with, that, like, is that character conflicted about what she's doing? Uh, does she get off on the violence? It, it's mm-hmm. just... We got a little bit into it of, like, oh, she's super socially awkward. Give me more about that. Why is she super, so like, socially awkward? Was it, like, an Arya Stark type of situation where she grew up in the House of Assassins and she only knows how to be an assassin <laughs> and, like, she doesn't want to be or but she feels honor-bound to be? Because the montage of her practicing... Do you know who I am or whatever? I can't remember. What the, was, that, was that the line or was it something else? I think so. No, it was or do you know, know who what I they am. call me or something like that? Yeah, do you know who I am? Um, and then, then interspersing with cuts of, oh my God, it's the crossbow killer, this and that. And then yeah. to pay it off later, I thought that really worked well. I mm-hmm. thought that was entertaining. Um, but I wish I had more with that character because she it just kind of pops in for 30 seconds and then is gone until mm-hmm. like the final 20% of the movie. Yeah, and then, well, the, and then and then crushes her screen time, which is great. But it's, yeah. <laughs> uh, I I so I just want I just looked this up real quick because I I said the name before of the cop, and then I second guessed myself, which is why I kept referring to her as the cop until now. I just looked at Renee Montoya. I just wanted to double check so yes. I didn't have character names screwed up. But that's the that's the cop we were referring to. Um, do you want to lift the veil? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Uh, one of my favorite things that I, I just like really entertaining pieces is I love when we hop into her head and she's just talking to you because she's talking to herself in her head, but then finishes the thought to a character on screen. And they're, they're, when it's people that know her, like the guy that makes the big, like the breakfast sandwiches, it's just, it's just like, okay, crazy. Like, <laughs> she plays crazy very good. Yes. Very well. Disturbingly well. It's, it's, it's. It's entertaining. The also, if we're talking about talking about good things, the choreography, like eighty percent of it is is awesome. Yes, and then twenty percent of it is it just going on either too long or being redundant. Well, I know, like for what works, they brought in the guy who did the stunts and has directed like most of the John Wick stuff. Um, Chad Stahelski, I think his name is. Mm-hmm. He's, okay. He was the fight coordinator for the first one, and he directed the second and third one. He came in gotcha. to do the action choreography in this. Well, one of the things that kind of bothered me about the movie is there's a lot of... Uh, I think this had to do with the uh, like the actual storytelling and what I, like the stitching that I was referring to. 
there's it seems like they had some ideas for like a cool fight scene or a cool location or thing to do during a fight scene and then like started there and then tried to weave like i don't know a two-page story in between all of these things and it's like there just wasn't enough to to get across like there were characters that they could have actually dove into a little bit and that would have been good or or like i don't know there could have been a a, a plot twist or something i don't know it just but it it was very very simple very cut and dry it was like probably could have been in like a a one like leaf issue of a comic like it it, it was it was strange it, there wasn't enough to keep it going the way that it did and like the way that it was pieced together it it, it just kind of there was there were pacing and jarring issues there's the uh, there's the shtick of getting to a point of the story that she's telling us and then being like oh wait let me catch you up and then like jumping back and then doing something in that space and then bringing you back up to speed that's good once twice okay three times you're getting a little bit too much but it's got to be a little bit faster you can't i feel like if you spend too much time when you jump back and then you catch up and it takes just as much time as it took to get there the first time that it's like it's almost as if like they just didn't know how to tell the whole story yeah i I would say that that was the most jarring part of it because early on i actually kind of dug the flow of how it was like you know oh, we're getting the story, and then we kind of jump around in time a little bit, and she's narrating under or over the events of what's going on. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was actually really tight. Like, the way it went went down for the first, like, half hour, maybe, I thought was, was, was actually really well done. It was as, like, we got further from the starting point is where the thing started to get, like, looser. <clears throat> it's like driving yeah. a really old car that's, like, well-maintained, <laughs> but, like, then you push it past how fast it's supposed to go. And it starts rattling, and you're like, "Oh, the, uh-huh. the nuts and bolts might start snapping off of this." <laughs> um, and I'm not entirely sure how you fix it. I don't know if that was an interference thing. I don't know if it was a mm. script thing where they were—I f- don't want to say fighting, but like there was disagreement in the writing room. So there was like this and then that, and we could shoot it this way. If it was maybe even like a clue sort of situation, where it's like it, that's how it could have ended, but this is how it really ended. Type of situation, and they had to pull stuff and throw some stuff away because like. The overall plot, like, works more or less, and we are dealing with, I guess, like, kind of a certain element of an uh, unreliable narrator, right? Which, mm-hmm. like, even at one point she kind of says, okay, that's not exactly how it happened. And I, fuck, I forgot now what it was, but something later on in the movie, I actually thought that's what was going to be. Oh, the the part when when uh, they track down where she lives and they blow up the apartment, mm. which was like... Super confusing, because all of a sudden, Bruce just runs off and just disappears. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, where mm-hmm. did the thing go? And then it, like, comes back later, and it was like, did they, like, hem and haul over whether or not to kill Bruce off in that moment? And also, why did he run towards the explosion? Literally committed suicide. Because it was a ball. It, a little... it looked like a ball. Sure. I guess that probably makes sense. And, but... and we all know how hyenas love to play fetch. Yes. Uh, of course. Um... <laughs> And then, like, she comes downstairs, and the guy sold him out, but then, like, she sells out Cassandra, and I was like, for a minute, when they just pause there, when she's downstairs, like, after everything happened, I thought she was gonna be like, that's not exactly how it happened, and we're gonna go back, and it was gonna be something more serious, and I was like, Mm. oh, we kind of left that 
just like that just happened okay and, and that's that's kind of exactly what i'm talking about with the stitched together like there were set pieces that they wanted to do it almost seems like they filmed those and then tried to connect them and one of them is is after is the the fight scene in the amusement park and then she has roller skates on and there's even a comment <laughs> as to when did she have time for a shoe change? And I was like, come on now. <laughs> well, that, I think that was another one of those situations where, like, is it feature or bug? You know what I mean? Or, you know, both. Um, uh-huh. Because on the one hand, I took it at face value because, of course, she would just decide to put roller skates on for the fuck of it during the middle sure. of the fight. That was the thing she was doing earlier. And it also kind of tracks with what had happened either right before it or right after it, where she just, one of them just throws a scrunchie to Canary, and she's putting the scrunchie on while fighting. And I was like, oh, those two things kind of track together, right? Like, I need the scrunchie, because my hair is blowing all over the place. Yeah, I kind of like fighting. I'm in my <laughs> element when I'm doing roller derby stuff. Like, let me showcase that skill one more time on camera. Like, But I also could totally see where it is with you, where it's like, we shot it one way, then we shot it another way. And we decided we prefer it the way with the rollerblades so we could take two seconds to shoot someone asking the question, when did she put those on? Like right. That, not exactly much, you know, to act, like they probably did it on the same day. Like, let's do it all with Harley wearing shoes. Yeah. Okay, it, let's do it all over again with her wearing, you know, You know what this skates. is? It's a, uh, this is a Goosebumps choose your own adventure and somebody else did it. Which kind of makes sense because that's kind of how she is. Like, she's just... Yeah, mm-hmm. she's like the Joker, but not, you know, the Leto Joker, the the other one, the better one. Um, you know, do I look like I've got a plan? I'm just a dog chasing, you know, a yeah. truck. I wouldn't know. What, like, there is a obvious parallel between the two because the one character kind of created the other. You know, even if it's a spiritually different character, you know, the point is, by whatever version of Joker you have, he has that anarchic situation. And, and by extension, so does she, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. They, I like I I like that they didn't stray too far from like the character origin. That's kind of cool. Um, one of the things I really enjoyed about it was like when when they started going with the background story. I was like, oh, are they gonna skip over the whole part where she was like his shrink? And then gladly they went into that. One of my other favorite things is how she snaps from being completely mental to like a phd and explain something and then goes right back into it and i like they only do it once but it was so good and it really it really cracked me up yeah she literally just like puts on her psychiatrist hat yeah (laughs) break down someone and it was like no indication that that's what was coming and i was like ah nice i i also love how like you know what uh, some great scene when she's got the 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 dart in her neck and she's passed out or not passed out. She's like drugged and she's coming to and like and like halfway there, like when she's halfway back <laughs> to full body function, is is that's just a great performance <laughs> in that scene. Which she's kind of like what she's pretty much got full control back, but if you really watch her, not her left arm. Like it's just kind of there. <laughs> and also the right really arm funny. really kind of works cuz she's just like <laughs> Like slapping him, yeah, <laughs> and then she's just like, uh, was she stabbing him or just punching him like repeatedly? Oh, she, she was stabbing him with the dart. Oh, that's that right. Because he, he gets like the little bit of like <laughs> like sedative that's left in it, and he's like starts slowing down, right? Yeah. <clears throat> oh God, that's oh, that's so silly. Um. Also, like they did 
wait to pay off some of these jokes. Like I said, the thing with the Huntress, you know, coming back around and all that, you know, with the, mm-hmm. you know, do you know who I am? You're the crossbow. No, I'm not the. Do you know? Who... Oh, you're uh, what's the name? Was it Bertinelli or something like that? Yeah. Yep. I'm the Huntress. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> there was a, another thing, like several minutes before that, in which, you know, they bought all the laxative and this and that for Cassandra, and they're going through all that. And so I went to see the movie with my sister, and we were sitting there, and after she, like, rats on her and says like she's gonna give her over to Roman. Um, and like between that and her showing up, my sister's like, are they ever going to go and deal with the whole thing about her having to poop the diamond out? And then the very <laughs> next scene is her being duct taped to a toilet. And I was like, <laughs> you know what? Way to stick with that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, yeah. Like uh, I have a lot of issues with the movies, but there, there is, there's a lot of fun stuff in it. I just don't think, I, I don't think it all works together. I think there's pieces of it that are good. Well, that's why I said I think fun is a much more accurate description than good. Um, mm, that's fair. The thing is, it, I, I do agree to a certain extent. Like, it feels like they wrote a couple of big situations or set pieces or whatever. I, it, it, I think, like I said, because it felt kind of cohesive at the beginning, it felt like they mapped out the storyline and wrote the first act and then started filming and mm. didn't ever commit to a script beforehand. And, like, we were just like, well, we'll just kind of write it as we go along and, and that it kind of ran out of time of with it um because I, I i this movie doesn't get made without margot robbie like if she doesn't decide wholeheartedly that she wanted to do this movie it never happens um right. so there's an element of her kind of own star power dragging this kicking and screaming and like the studio wants it to happen but it never would have happened without her committing 110 percent, which you know you see on screen like you said yeah she totally owns this role um and i think it ends up being kind of both a blessing and a curse because like some of those times where we're saying it just hit like an absolute dead zone or like what is going on here exactly that time would have been better spent with other people instead it was spent with her and if she's propelling the story or if we're getting any attempt at her like because she goes through her own personal journey in the course of the movie, right? Mm-hmm. Like, she ends up a quote-unquote better person at the end of it or whatever. But we never really see her deciding to do that until the very end. Right. Like, those things should have been going on sporadically throughout the movie. as Because if not, then all of those more slow and or contemplative moments aren't really contemplating anything. Right. You're you're absolutely right. Um, I will say that that the finale on that pier. First off, fog out of nowhere for the sake of the scene. Classic movie. Yes. <laughs> That's, like there was no fog. Now there's only fog. <laughs> Love well, it. It also felt specifically classic, like comic book movie because. Oh yeah. Like didn't that exact thing happen in Mask of the Phantasm? Oh yeah. But I like, mean, the, the the Phantasm also did like that smoke thing. Sure, that too, but also there was just fog at other times as well. Yeah, <laughs> like when there wasn't true. five minutes before. That is true. Uh, when she shoots, like when she's like like all justice, and she shoots and then remembers that there's only one bullet left in the gun and goes, ah, damn it. <laughs> like that really, that I thought that really got me. There, there's certain things like that that make me chuckle, and I, the execution there was, was pretty solid. You know what I think I think happened in that fight team was they realized, okay, we need her to be wearing the skates for the big chase scene. 
and we don't really have a great time for her to put them on, so let's just make it into a joke. <laughs> like, it's going to have to happen at some point, and we're not going to pause the action in the middle of a shootout for her to put the skates on. So we're just mm-hmm. going to cut, cut back, the skates are going to be on. And it's yeah. a joke, and that's it. Just fucking deal with it. Yeah, well, they made me deal with it, so... Uh, but, like, on the other hand, in this sort of movie, like, it's not really offensive. You know what I mean? Like, it's... It's kind of the yeah. The I don't I, for some for some reason if you're if you do more things like that or like consistently do things like that it would have worked but because it was the one thing and it really felt like it validated my my issues with other things that were going on in the movie like I was saying of like stitching it together like that one very blatant piece being so vivid <laughs> is I think that's why it bothered me so much. You know, I guess it could have made for a funny running joke if just periodically she just had them on. Scene, she just had them on, Absolutely. and there was no explanation for it. Because then, or or you fu- like, and you're wondering the whole time, does she have them on? <laughs> because well, one of two things. Doesn't. Well, it could be that, or it could be: is this intentional? Was this an accidental <laughs> thing? Was this actually they shot a bunch of these scenes both ways? And the best takes were one and then the other, and we're just going to oh do my it God. play it as a joke? Or is it going to be an intentional, we're fucking with your head thing? Like, is this, like you said, is this really happening? Or do, were they doing this intentionally? Like, like, am I supposed to buy into the fact that we're just going to keep doing it? Like, kind of the way it would almost take on the quality of, like, video games, where, you know, you can hit, like, a quick button that, like, toggles something like that on or off, and there's never, like, an animation of them... Like, it's a thing that happens in games now, right? Where sometimes, like, you'll be like, oh, like, let's say you're doing, like, uh, like a Call of Duty-type game. Like, sometimes you, you hit a button, and you see them grab, like, night vision goggles and put yeah, them yeah. on, right? And it doesn't ever break it. Like, we didn't dig in our pack for it, but it's like, oh, they were on the top of my head, <laughs> pulled them onto my face, this happened, immersion, right? Right. And then there's other times, especially in older video games, right, where you, you know... You toggle the Your button. gun just changes. Or, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're, you, there's no animation of you holstering the gun and pulling it, or you're carrying 37 guns. And, like, right. like how can you even walk? Like, this isn't Death Stranding. You can just walk, apparently. Or, like, think about, like, OG Pokemon, right? Like, you hit the select button, and all of a sudden the bike just pops out from underneath you. Yep. But instead it's rollerblades. That could have been a really funny thing of, like, what's going on here? They shoot the movie twice. Once well, just select scenes. It doesn't have to be every once, scene. No rollerblades, and yeah. then randomly decide different showings, Clue style, which <laughs> one. <laughs> so we were talking last week about that reboot of Clue, and what we realized is we just needed to reboot Clue with Harley Quinn. Yes. Which Perfect. we nailed it. Like again, the anarchy is at the heart of her character, right? Um, she could totally be the singing telegram. Is I think that would work perfect. <laughs> that needs to be if they do a singing telegram in the Clue movie. It needs to be a tremendous cameo for that scene alone. <laughs> be funny. Um, that's um, the type of thing they would do. Couple things about well, Hugh McGregor, crazy man, psycho. Uh, ha- seems to be having a really good time. Plays the psycho part really well. Uh, when he snaps and like his insecurities kick in, it is electric like he's i'm terrified <laughs> like when yeah. he has the girl stand on the table i was like this is a different movie than what we're watching <laughs> yeah it's funny like uh, there <laughs> there was this like whole thing where it's like he just had him and zaz actually both the character him and chris messina uh who 
whatever I see him in, I'll always think of him as fucking douchey ass Reese from the newsroom. Mm-hmm. Um, but seeing him here in a blonde or like like bleached white like buzz cut really threw me off, and also like borderline mentally slow. Like I'm thinking like Baby Driver was he was he slow? <laughs> yeah. Um, like, but like also psychotic, and there are definitely like vibes between the two of them mm-hmm. where. Like, there's a 99% chance that they're together. Um, these, like, psychotic henchman couple thing is a little... So it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's quite a dynamic. Mm-hmm. And, the, the, yeah, like you said, they're, like, kind of, like... It's, like, super campy. Like, both of them are just going all in on the camp. And then flip the switch, and it's like... Oh, you actually are scary now that you flip the switch. Like, I'm not yeah. laughing at you anymore. It's like, that is actually pretty pretty menacing. I don't, I don't like that. <laughs> I, let's, peel, let's peel their faces off. What? what? <laughs> oh, oh, and then this, I've, just, uh, I've decided I'm not going to do it to you. You know, we don't, we don't really... Oh my god, is that a snot bubble? I've changed my mind. It was <laughs> gross. And he, the gross thing came up so many times. Yeah. He would think... And then he thinks things, it's funny that things are so gross. And he'd be like, ooh, and he'd like stay away from that. He was, he was wacky. Uh, one thing that they could have done, and I really expected it, and then... I'm happy they they did it the way they did. When they pull the pin on the grenade and he goes off the pier, I was, in my mind, there was no way we were seeing anything else. We were just going to hear the explosion. That was going to be it. When they turn the camera, they swoop the camera around and they show you him exploded to pieces. I was like, good choice. Like, like, that was really good. I I really didn't see it coming. It was one of the few times that they really leaned into going hard R with this, like... Because, like, it could have gone away. Like, you said something about, like, there being, like... Yeah, let's... Discrepancy with rating or whatever. Like, I would have assumed it could have been PG-13 because there wasn't, like, a ton of blood. Or at least That's not, like, what I'm saying. That's what I, exactly what I was thinking. I don't remember blood. The blood... The only blood I remember was uh, in... Is kind of in the distance when the face is peeled off. Him being blown up. And when one guy gets shot in the head. That, other than that, I don't remember there really being... Oh, and when the family gets murdered. Some of it was a little cartoony. Well, yeah, that some of it was cartoony. Some of it wasn't really like that bad. The thing is, like, they do basically show you him slicing off a person's face, and then they cut away from it. But like, you do see the beginning of the process going on, um, Mm -hmm. and then they do it to a small girl. Um, But also, uh, the the other thing was like they also you know human leg getting chewed on by a hyena. Um, Yeah, which again, kind of CGI cartoony, whatever. Uh, there's a, a healthy amount of F-bombs thrown around in this, though. Uh, that's probably what, what actually pushed it. Yeah. It was language. Uh, yeah, because I think if you had just the level of violence that was in it, probably would have been PG-13. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. I also think that I- that's probably why this movie isn't performing well, because, like, like, it's not that much less good than, like, Deadpool 1 or 2. It just doesn't have the exact same... I mean, hell, it borrows liberally from those movies, which is why I, I even brought it up. Um, when you compare, like, the, the stylized, the graphical violence, you know, the fourth wall breaking, the, the whole, like, the snarky attitude, the, the narration aspect of it and all that. Um, there's a lot of similarities between this and, mm-hmm. and Deadpool. Um, I think... But Deadpool leans heavy into the R rating. Yes, but there's two things that, that are happening. One, I think that had a more natural draw to adult audiences, and there's a lot of reasons, both 
fine and not so fine for why that would be. I think, you know, that hard R superhero movie about a bunch of women characters isn't going to draw as well as a Ryan Reynolds Deadpool vehicle. Like, Deadpool is a particularly beloved character. I think if this one had an acceptable Joker in it as well, it would have drawn better. What if it was... What if it wasn't, like, focused on being about the Birds of Prey and we really just focused on Harley Quinn? Um, well, I think that's why they changed the name. But the thing is, huh. the movie was, like, it, 90% focused on her. It was... It, well, there's a... There's... I don't know. Deadpool, he, he's... He's in the movie, like, the entire time. Like, she is in the movie 90% of the time. But, yeah. like, I don't know, like... There was, it, it clearly is like there's a bigger story there of create of like the group kind of coming together or like these friends and like this the, these strong female characters and like coming together and like taking down the bad guys. But that uh, was in the marketing material. The runtime doesn't actually stay true to that. Yeah, I guess that's that's fair. It's the, in the other there thing sporadically. Is- Though, yeah, which hurts it a little bit the way that again the way that. But the thing is, you only know that once you've sat down in a seat after you bought a ticket. You don't know that going mm. into it. That's okay. Um, that's true. That's true. And the other thing is, because it's rated R, if you don't have the automatic draw of the adult audience, you're not getting the young audience like an Avengers would, right? Um, or Spider Man or whatever. Um, so, hmm. like you, for a lot of different reasons, like you said, marketing is what held this movie back. There's the confusion within the marketing strategy. There's, at times, I didn't think it was too egregiously, but there, I think you're right that there has to have been some sort of studio meddling in the course of the making of this movie. Uh, although the movie overall has actually been reviewed well, so that shouldn't really be a thing that's affecting audiences. Um, and then the fact that, what is your target audience and are they going to show up for it? And I don't think they did a good job of identifying that. Right. Because if, if you're doing your marketing properly, you realize, oh, we're not going to get a one-to-one correlation of the Deadpool audience. Can we afford to go full-blown R on this? Or do we need to back it down to a PG-13 to attract a wider audience? Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, that is what it is. Yeah. Um, we didn't talk much about canary i think that was she was a cool character yes uh well it's funny because i just i'm just coming off of i finally finished did i tell you i finished arrow no uh, so, i know we talked about it a couple weeks ago and you said you still had some catching up to do yeah, so I, I finished that that's a it was uh a series that should have ended three seasons ago but <laughs> it was you know it was fun the, the the ending was 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 good enough um but it's interesting because in the I don't know much about certain like I, I know a lot of these characters from that show because I like I started that show you know whatever it was eight years ago and like got like really got into it like there, there's a bunch of characters that I only knew about like I knew them from like the Marvel card or the DC and Marvel cards that I had and like things like that like that like those are there's characters that I I'm aware of I know of them through like my my buddy Thomas my old neighbor who would lend me comics and tell me about all these stories and all this stuff. Uh, but then, like seeing them on screen was like sometimes my first introduction to the act, like that character. So Canary, <laughs> Black Canary was one of the characters uh, in Arrow, played by a couple different people over time. Uh, it's uh, played by which I thought was which was what's funny to me because I also know how like 
comic book universes work and how like you'll reboot a series and like a different character will be the like that hero or like the character will change over time or the character will move from one to a parent to a child like like it's 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 all comics are all over the place that's yeah well, it's kind of why they're fun uh but in arrow is laurel lance was the black canary and then later on in the series dinah not lance dinah I don't remember her name. She wasn't related. Became Black Canary. And in this movie, Dinah Lance is Black Canary. And I was yeah, like, my yeah. head was spinning. And I was like, ah, all these characters. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, when's she going to scream at people? And then when it, when it, like the movie's going on and on, I almost forgot that that's who she was as a character. And then when uh, we were in that hallway, I was like, oh, it's going to happen now. And then it happened. And I was like, yeah. And then she fell over. And I was like, I like that we're in started where we're going to introduce metahumans. Like, if you want to do that and really blow the lid off this place, let's do it. <laughs> yeah, I was not prepared for that because this whole movie has been playing it straight. And like I said, in my mind, I have more or less scrubbed the Suicide Squad from my memory of it where it pertains to this, right? Because mm-hmm. like they're not carrying through any threads other than her relationship with Joker. Like, not in any meaningful way. Mm-hmm. Um, so... When that happened, all of a sudden, I was like, oh, that was unexpected. And again, I thought I was wondering if that was going to be a time where they were going to take the opportunity for her to be like, no, that would have been cool, though. And then, like, <laughs> rewind it and then, like, <laughs> yeah. show us what actually happened. Like, you know what I mean? Like, or honestly, just for her to, like, because she broke the glass. I was like, oh, yeah. she's going to just do a thing where, like, she's going to sing and, like, it's going to, like, break a glass and, like, distract someone. You know what I mean? Not full-blown like sonic waves thing Mm -hmm. i i wasn't sure like if they were actually going to go into it or yeah or if it was just or i thought maybe the glass breaking was just a a little nod to the powers that that character has well looking back and that they wouldn't do it but then they then they went they went yeah i didn't know that was a a thing for that character because i'm not i'm much more well-versed on marvel characters than i am on dc characters especially when it comes to kind of like lower level characters like that Mm -hmm. um but yeah, I, overall, I thought she was good. I, I didn't realize that that actress could sing like that. I didn't realize that she's been a really famous actress for a long time. She was a child actress who apparently still gets recognized for playing one of the friends on Full House, like as like a little girl. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Well, that's her? Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, so I was looking up because I didn't know how to pronounce her last name, actually. And so I went to look up online and I saw like... Recently, she's done a bunch of like you know, Conan and Kimmel and all those sorts oh of things. Oh my whatever. god! And I forget which uh, which like late show or whatever she was on, and she was saying how and like they showed a picture of her as like a little kid. I was like, oh wow, that's cool. And they're like, she's like, yeah, people still see me on the street and just be like, oh my god, you're and I forgot the character's name. She's like, you're what's her name from from Denise. Full House? And she, Denise, sure. And she's like, it's been twenty five years. How do you still recognize me? She goes like, I I feel like I look a little different by now. <laughs> <laughs> well, she totally does, and I would have never called that out. But now that you said it, I could see her face. Yeah, as a child on that show, that's awesome. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's so much fun. Well, it's funny. <laughs> I I know who she is because she was in like two seasons of Friday Night Lights. Mm. Um, like towards the end of the run of that show. So, um, that's what I knew her from already. So I I kind of knew what to expect, but I didn't know she could sing. I don't remember if she's. I don't think I remember her singing on that show. So. I was like, oh shit, she's got a really nice voice. She was also in Parenthood. Yeah, I saw that and I was like, oh, Anthony probably remembers her from that because she was in like several episodes, right? Yeah. 
But I, I never watched that show, so. I'm trying to see what else. Yeah, she's been in a lot of stuff. That's funny. That the the full house thing really that that really blew my mind. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, random note I have down here, which is I just it's just why the hyena was a question mark. Counterpoint naming him Bruce <laughs> after that hunky rich guy. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> now, did you stay through the credits? Yeah. I didn't. I looked ahead and I saw what it was. I still think it's funny, even though I didn't stick around for it. Can you? It, I, it, it it is she does get cut off talking right yes okay cool just wanted to make sure no that was intentional because <laughs> okay. at least that's my it's funny because like as it happened the light lights went on and the doors opened so i wasn't sure if they actually like it didn't it didn't like fully end that's why i wasn't sure uh, if like it if if it got cut off or if the intention was that it gets cut off but yeah uh, no she gets cut off um it's funny there was just some there are some stupid little like the scene when they go shopping and she's like you know like like how do you like afford all this she goes afford it we're we're robbing the store (laughs) and it's just like wild laughter between the two of them she runs over some poor old guy who's got nothing to do with it um i thought the relationship between her and the the chinese food guy was really sweet until he sold her out Mm -hmm. um and circling back around just as the movie does the whole thing with the egg sandwich was great yeah like the egg sandwich I, I was tremendous. They were gonna f- I thought they were going to go full-blown like when Harry met Sally. When she's like... Because they have like the wind blowing her back her mm-hmm. hair. And she's thinking about the sandwich. And then they turn it into like a part of the whole chase sequence, which is great. And she like... I remember like as it goes on in the beginning, I'm like, oh my god, did she? And my sister goes, yep, she stuffed it down her shirt. I was like, okay. So I didn't like imagine that, that she like tucked it back in and then shoved it into her bra. Yeah. Just so we're on the same page. Runs through it, and I'm like, why are you taking the sandwich out one block away from the whole thing? And then her, like, crying. And, like, this that is my scene, rock though, bottom. That, that, in, so the scene where her both her hands are out, clenched fist, and she's screaming. That's from the trailer. And I was like, oh, okay, so they're going to kill a character, and it's going to be really emotional. And then when it's an egg sandwich, I was like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, was also, I felt the same way when I saw that egg sandwich on the floor. Because <laughs> right? it looked delightful. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it looked... Great. And I don't even like runny <laughs> eggs, and I still thought it looked great. Um, but uh, <laughs> between that, it was funny. There was a few trailers lying to us, or, or parts of the trailer lying to us, because I thought they were going to go full-blown, we're killing the Joker off by her dra- driving the truck into the thing, and then it mm. was just like, we're killing off the idea of him, which is such a cop-out just to keep their options open. But the thing oh, is, yeah. these are comic books. Th- people survive those sorts of things all the time. Yeah. You could have committed to the bit while still bringing him back, and it wouldn't have been, like, a foul play in this sort of situation. You know what I mean? Like, that's yeah. totally a thing that happens in comics. So I, I would prefer they stuck to their guns on that. You know, you know what's kind of cool? Uh, maybe the, m- maybe a little hint of the John Wick action in here too. I liked the idea of like everybody finding out that they're not together anymore. And then, like, she's excommunicado. Like, that was... <laughs> and, like, everybody's after. That yes. that that was cool for a second, but they, I feel like they kind of just let it drift off. I know that she, like, makes a deal, and we find out that he has power, and he could, like, on a dime, people will turn and be like, I will do... You know, they're just doing what he says. Uh, they mm-hmm. show that a lot at the end when he's got the mask on. He's rallying all the people. The black mask, the actual mask, well done. Great yes. costume. Uh, Although but, it was a little creepy in the the like that hallucinated thing, like the mask he's wearing there had like it was like 
was it diamond encrusted or like rhinestone encrusted? It had. Like, it was like electric tape with bedazzle like dots on it. I don't, it well, I'm like strange. someone absolutely owns that mask for like S and M stuff. Huh? Like, that's what that mask is. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. God. I, uh, I I thought some of those things were were a little odd, but I. I you know, I, I get where it's coming from. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just what let's throw some things at the wall and see what sticks. Like, yeah, it's some some funny shit. Uh, it's funny you mentioned like the John Wick thing because, like we said, you know, just from some of the action sequences, like the thing in like the the police station in like the the lockup area, um, the stuff where she's fighting through like the evidence locker, like definitely uh, some John Wick stuff. We already mentioned some Deadpool stuff. There was a little bit of a Guardians of the Galaxy thing going on with the musical cue stuff um which is also kind of funny because i said from the first time i saw the first trailer from suicide squad they're going for a guardians of the galaxy thing here and then they just totally fumbled um there's also kind of a scott pilgrim thing going on where she ran into like a new bad guy and like they flashed like the title card with like who it is you know what's the grievance the grievance with roman was incredible where like it starts listing like one serious thing, and then it was like I, cycling through a couple of serious things, and then they're I getting frame more by ridiculous, frame. and then they're going like so fast that you can't read them anymore. And I want someone to get me a video of that slowed it, down so I can see all it, of them. Exactly. Yep. We need the frame by frame so that we can see each because they're you know they're all written. They're there. Like you yes. can you can almost make them out. They're just not there fast like long enough for you to read them. It's great. Absolutely. There, there was one in there that cracked me up, but I can't remember what it me was. Me too. I'm going through the exact same thing right now. I'm trying to like see if I, if I talk my way through it, like if I'll remember what it was. But there was one of them that I was like, that's... Come on. <laughs> like, it's funny, <laughs> but come on. <laughs> uh, there, you know, another movie? Oh, what, you know what was? One of them was voted for Bernie. Yes. That yes. was one of them. But there was another one that I found even funnier. I don't remember what it was, but that was one of the ones that I was like, ha. Ah. That's funny. The, another movie uh, influence. There, there was a almost a shot-for-shot remake of a Boondock Saints scene uh, early on when Montoya is going through the crime scene yes. and is in the scene while it's happening and also talking through it. And to the point where I was like, it was early on in the movie. I was like, I know what this is. <laughs> like, are they gonna do this the whole movie? Because if so, that's not your idea. <laughs> But I mean, it's not like they get to they own that forever, but like, yeah, you have to come up with new or better way, or at least a reason to do it. Well, I think that it was just so on the nose. It was like exactly yeah. the scene from Boondock Saints, but there was a firefight. <laughs> <laughs> now, if Rosie Perez did nothing, that, <laughs> nothing, 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 nothing. <laughs> I love Holland. <laughs> also, well, I think we, I think we've added. Well, I think we've added now officially Ewan McGregor to the Hugo Weaving, Willem Dafoe. He's on the list. Uh, he's in that pantheon. Who was the one we came up with a few weeks ago who were like, we need more of this guy? <sighs> there was someone within the last like six weeks that we did that we were like, we need to add this person to. Man. You, you know, you come up with your next idea. I'm going to look back through the episode, see if I can remember who it was. <laughs> okay. Uh, one cool thing. We were in... I think I think it's in Harley Quinn's apartment, and the TV's on in the background. I think it's her apartment. Oh no, it's not. It's Montoya's apartment. When okay. she's drunk and gets the call, uh, yeah. and like then she's then she sobers up, I guess, to get there. Well, not really. They call her out for being drunk. But anyway, when she's leaving the room, there's a really quick sliver of a shot where behind her her TV is on, and it's the Joker from uh, the the 
Batman, like the 60s series. Oh, was it's that like, really? It's a clip from the show, I'm pretty sure. Huh. Like, I, I don't know. It's like when he's got the, he basically has like the dunce hat, like the Joker dunce hat. And he's like got like the ruffled neck. And he's like doing like he's doing something ridiculous on TV, but it's okay. it's from okay. it's from it's that it's a it's just a clip from like that from the show. It's pretty. I thought that was a cool, a nice little like the little squeeze of the Joker into it. I also liked ooh, completely glossed over this. The opening was tremendous. The animated opening or the animated yes. I don't know if it was the opening or a little bit later, but like the history and like that was really well done. I like yes, that a lot. I enjoyed. I enjoyed that. Uh, I thought that was well done. I thought it was interesting. I thought it was like <clears throat> it just gave us a little bit of that thing, and it's like okay, we can do that. All mm-hmm. right, all right. I'm on board. I'm on board. Uh, I was a fan. The um, the other the last piece that I'll say is we didn't really touch on it too much. But we, you brought him up, but the but Victor Zaz, I uh, it was an interesting take on the character. I think he did a decent enough job the only problem is and this is the problem with a lot of these things where multiple people have had a chance to play a character before that you you're obviously going to compare them against each other and like their rendition of the character on gotham the tv show uh anthony carrigan plays victor zaz and does he really he is amazing he's He's just amazing in general i only saw a few episodes of barry but he was awesome and i just like he's so funny i can't even remember his name of the the character in that but he's he's so funny in that he's one of the best things about that show oh my god he's he's great he's uh, but as zaz he's awesome i mean i don't know who the character you know is supposed to be if it's supposed to be a little bit more ridiculous like that or not but uh i mean he he plays a henchman a a second in command pretty well i guess he's like super intense and he He's killed a lot of people, and with each person that he kills, he makes a mark. Noho Hank, that's his name. But um, that he was he was cool. Wait, oh, no. is that what that was? Because when that was going on, I wasn't sure. I was like, are those? Is he scratching himself? Or is that a tattoo? I can't exactly tell. No, yeah, he's on. they're like they're cuts. You know, what's actually what I'm thinking about now is I'm trying to. I've got to pull up a picture. I don't remember that actually being a thing with the Zaz and the Gotham show though. Oh no! See, I didn't realize that was like a major. Character it's a, it's in a, any sort of DC thing, but I'm not. I mean, I'm not surprised, but I didn't know anything about. I'd never heard of Zaz before. It, I mean, it's definitely a thing with the character. I just think it's. Oh, you know what? I wonder if maybe there's a. I, I never finished Gotham. He's always kind of dressed up, like covered up to the neck with whatever, like almost like a turtleneck style, like like he's a, he's long sleeves, long pants. He's probably got the cuts underneath, and I assume that in some episode or another, he takes his shirt off and he's got like all these gash. Oh, I would guess, but. Um, I didn't get there, if that's a guess. But he was, he's also on Gotham. I love how campy Gotham is. It really reminds me of the 80s Batman. Uh, I gotta go back and finish that. It's funny, um, it looked too campy for me. I never had any interest. Mm. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's definitely on, like, the Schumacher side of things more than the Burton side of things. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, but, but actually, I, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Oh, it's a, it's not a good thing. Uh, <laughs> maybe, oh, it's like it's Batman. It, Batman Forever. It's hard to say. Batman Forever is very over the top as well. Yeah. So it's not there. I guess it's in between. Like, it's it's some it's it's somewhere between Forever and Returns. But like, I like Batman Forever. <laughs> oh, well, I saw, I, yeah, a hundred percent. 
Um, the thing is, like, Why I actually thought that the, <laughs> I actually thought that the camp was at a decent level in this movie. The thing is, it's so particular. Like, there's sometimes where I love it, and there's other times where I'm just like, that's a huge turnoff for me, and I have no interest. Mm-hmm. I think it has to do with the confidence of going into it. Yeah. Doing it right. The consistency. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, did you figure out who we were trying to add? I can't remember. Damn. That's a shame. I know, I'm pissed Well, too. we'll see that character, we'll see that actor or actress in something. I'm going to say actor from here on out. Because I'm tired of doing actor or actress, and now at the awards, like the SAG awards, they, they say actor for both. So let's just, can we just agree that we can say actor now? Is that is that cool or not? I mean, I, I'm fine with that. I don't All know right. if anyone else is. Right. I just want, I, I want to be, I want to be clear that I'm being <laughs> inclusive with the word. I'm not just saying specifically. Whoever the actor is, I don't remember if it was a man or a woman. Well, that's something I've actually seen in a handful of, like, like video games and, like, sci-fi and or fantasy things recently. Um, like, because I noticed they've been doing it in Star Wars. At least in Resistance, they were doing it. Uh, I know they've done it in Dragon Age. There's one other thing that I've seen it in, I don't remember what now, where in, like, military ranks, or, like, talking about, like, royalty or whatever, they just use sir for everyone. Mm. Man and woman. Everyone is a sir. It's yeah. just a title of you are my superior. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know what? That's a smart way to get just making it a totally neutral title of respect is a smart way to cut through all the crap, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. We, we, it, whatever. I, it's just, I, it just a thing. I, I want to be clear. Like, I, it, it, it could have been a man or a woman. I don't remember who we were talking about. I think... It was a man. Because the thing is, I think we've actually done it twice in somewhat recent time. But the one we did more recently, I think, was, an, was a man. Hmm. Um, but yeah, we did We did a few months. Well, one of them uh, recently we did was character actress Margot Martindale. I know we <laughs> mentioned her. Um, but there was someone else, too. Um, the, uh, uh, a man who we, we were saying we need to, to include into the pantheon of give us more of him. Whether it be leading role or not, I don't care. Just give us more. Yeah. Well, anyway. Any other... Any other notes before we close this out? No, I think I got it all. Sweet. Well, that's all for this week's episode of Flicks in a Six. We hope you enjoyed it. As always, if you have a movie for us to review or nuggets for us to discuss, you can send those requests to flicksinasix at spintune.com or tweet us at the spintune. Tune in next week for more movie and beer goodness. Until then, I'm Anthony Costanzo. And I'm Al Thanks for coming out. <laughs>